This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Indeed, here we are. Another week of the opening kickoff is upon us. Thanks for hanging with us. We're with you for the next three hours right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. We got a little something to... For everybody today, I think. But we have uh, Got to catch you up to date on who's right now eligible for the uh, postseason. Uh, this is a heavy week for recruiting with the early signing day coming up this Wednesday. So there's obviously a lot to get to. Let's not uh, miss out on college basketball. We'll be talking about that also. But as a result of uh, what happened yesterday or didn't happen yesterday, because actually a team or two clinched a playoff berth in the NFL postseason, even when they didn't play, they had played after they had clinched. So right now, we know that Philadelphia's in. They have a night game against Seattle tonight. We'll have that on WNSP for you. Jalen Hurts is very questionable for this game, by the way. Dallas and Baltimore firmed up playoff berth. 49ers had already done so. In fact, the 49ers have already clinched the NFC uh, West. Saints won. Look good. Derek Carr with his best game of the year, best game in a while. And Tampa won. So, Mark, they're tied for first at 7-7. Seven and seven. As the lowly Panthers beat Atlanta, <laughs> I bet Nick's going to be talking about that, right? Do you think he'll mention that today? No, nah, look, as a Saints fan, I, I even asked a question in my house. I don't know what I'm more excited about. The fact that the Saints beat the Giants, who aren't very good, okay? Um, or the fact that the Falcons lost to the Panthers. Makes in this during this holiday season makes my heart warm. I was kind of thinking the same thing as you were. So what this does is set up a week 17 matchup between the Saints and Tampa for obviously first place in the division. I think Tampa has the tiebreaker at this point, but they're dead even at 7-7. Seven and seven. Now, the Saints have a short turnaround. They have to go to Los Angeles to face the Rams on Thursday night. So looking down the road, uh, the Saints still have a shot at making the playoffs. And I think I haven't really checked this out. There are a lot of teams for the wild card, the last wild card in the NFC that are bunched in there at like seven and seven or eight and six or so forth. So I don't know if they had a run and won their final three games. Who knows? They could maybe even get in as a wild card, but maybe that's looking, you know, that's being far fetched right now. Two quarterbacks had to leave the game yesterday. Uh, Lawrence with the uh, Jags concussion protocol and uh, our good friend Zach Wilson. By the way, the Jets, congratulations. Uh, this is the 13th straight year. They have been eliminated from postseason. That's a record. And I think they've had like eight straight losing seasons. So uh, congratulations to the Jets as the epitome uh, of consistency. Mediocrity people. continues for sure. So uh, that, those were some of the highlights yesterday in the NFL and over the weekend, too. Uh, it was one good game on uh, Saturday. I guess the first game was Minnesota. But uh, and they're lost to uh, uh, Cincinnati. But yesterday, I, I think drop passes was an issue. Uh, we had that guy for the Bears who dropped a hail mary in the end zone, which could have won the game over Cleveland. And then Eric I don't, I don't know if you say he dropped. Do you, do you say he dropped that pass? I mean, it. I mean, yeah. he should have caught it. He should have caught it. So, but 
It's not like it hit him in the hands and it just went through his hands. I mean, it bounced around and he was, kicked it one time. It was worse fun. than a drop. It was worse. You think it was worse? I mean, circ- I don't know. If on the stat sheet, it goes down as a drop pass. Yeah. It might not. But it does. It goes as a drop pass. That's been clarified. Uh, hmm. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was tough. That, that was a yeah. And Kadarius right Tony uh, dropped a pass, and it really ticked off Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Tony coming over the middle, second straight week where his name's been in the news for all the wrong reasons. And uh, the former Blunt star had a pass. He didn't catch it. He was open, deflected it into an interception, which led to a New England touchdown. Not that it mattered in the outcome, but you could have, once again, Mahomes uh, had a very uneasy moment on the sideline. Oh, you start to – you. Uh, Tell people all the time you learn more about people when they're losing than you do than uh, when they're winning, and so uh, things. things you know, I was going thi- great. I was seeing uh, yesterday where Andy Reid, or over the weekend, got fined a hundred thousand dollars for his comments on the officiating in the uh, Kadarius Tony matter. But I'm thinking, gosh, with all the commercials he's doing now, it probably doesn't cause a ripple in his pocket. Yeah, I, I'm surprised someone. In, yeah, and, and find me the same way you do with those nuggies. Yeah, those <laughs> commercials are terrible. The, the State Farm? Oh, the yeah. Nuggie commercial. The Nuggie great. commercial. Show me again with those Nuggies. <laughs> Who calls them Nuggies? What are you doing? Uh, some interesting news as far as players moving around, and we have a lot of it over the weekend. Uh, Colin Lacey, apparently, of South Alabama's leading receiver, is going to Louisville. That's the word there. Uh, McCord from Ohio State is reportedly going to transfer to Syracuse. Those are some of the names over the weekend. Malik Murphy of Texas looking at three schools, and among them is South Carolina. And Bryce Underwood, 2025, right now number one recruit quarterback out of Michigan, has Alabama on his list and supposedly was in Tuscaloosa this weekend. Yeah, so interesting about uh, recruiting is Ryan Williams was at the Auburn game. Who wasn't? And LeBron and <laughs> but at least his wife, was they there. started cheering. Kudos to Auburn faithful, by the way, for recognizing that he was there and 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 giving him a, a whole lot to think about. So they start cheering. We want Ryan. I don't know, man, if I'm Ryan Williams, I'm feeling pretty good. Now, there was also he was doing a little uh, shopping in the Auburn area. And he was rocking an Alabama hoodie. So I'm not sure how that bodes for for Auburn Auburn fans. And it, it takes a little confidence to be on a visit to Auburn wearing an Alabama sweatshirt, but they did not uh, miss an opportunity to show their love for the Sarah Land uh, stud. So this is going to be going on from now until, what, February 9th, his birthday? Uh, sure. Give and take. Alabama fans, yeah, we think we have him, but, oh, by the way, Ryan Williams will be visiting Auburn this weekend again or going yeah. to a basketball game or doing something. By the way, they absolutely whipped USC. Not surprising since they've won now 49 straight at home non-conference games. I was surprised a little bit about the uh, outcome. I, I, didn't, I didn't think Southern Cal would beat Auburn. I mean, you know, that's the way it usually goes in college basketball, home and away games like that. But uh, Auburn, since that loss to Appalachian State, and I still think back to that, how in the world did this team lose to Appalachian State after what they've done to Indiana and Southern Cal. But the thing about Auburn, and again, anybody who watches the games, they go 10-11 deep, and guys are only getting like 20 minutes a game, but they're producing in those 20 minutes. And here's the other thing, too. Very few turnovers, and that's a real key. They, they, they I don't think they've had more than, what, five, six, seven, eight turnovers 
in the last three games. That's a remarkable in, in this day and age because Auburn pushes the ball up a lot and, you know, they, they do a lot of, you know, trying a f- fast-paced game. But uh, Bronny, I, what, he have five points, I think? He played a few minutes, Bronny James, for uh, Southern Cal. But he's he's really not their best player right now. They got a couple of really good guards out there, that Ellis kid, uh, Boogie Ellis, and uh, Colston, who was – Foul, uh, plagued by fouls, so that obviously hurts Southern Cal. But I'm telling you, a team with so many young players like Southern Cal, you know, right now they're struggling at five and five. But that's a team you got to watch later in the year if they really start clicking. Uh, so we're going to talk about all that coming up. Uh, we have a, a lot of great stuff going on. Zach Golton is going to join us at 6:30. We'll talk some Alabama with Rodney Orr at seven. The Millite Golf Report will take care of an hour number two as well. Kane Wamack, the South Alabama football coach. Uh, set to join us at 7.30. Uh, Matt Cohen, my colleague over at uh, AL.com, he covers Auburn. We'll talk to him about Auburn recruiting. We'll talk to him about the basketball game last night. And Ross Jackson joins us a little bit later today. Uh, he'll he'll come on and talk some Saints. Saints got it done against a Giants team that's not very good. Um, DeVito's agent was in the stands again. Yeah, and it's uh, that looked, was. I think they called him a leprechaun on the broadcast. He looked like a leprechaun. The uh, Devito run ended. You know the, the 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 excitement, the drama surrounding him coming in and quarterbacking. But the Saints put an end to that. They sacked him, I think, seven times. Seven times. Seven times in the game. Think about that. Hey, you want your Devito? You want your cutlets? <laughs> Here's your cutlet. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it felt like it was coming. Yeah. I I felt that too. I I didn't think that run would continue. Um, he got knocked out for uh, a possession. I was a little surprised he came back, but his head hit the ground or whatever, and I was surprised they kept him out. Yeah. If you're good to go, you're good to go. Uh, Concussion is pretty subjective. You either I guess have so. one or you don't. And, then, uh, and I guess the Saints tried to one-up him early. First possession, Alvin Kamara didn't even touch the field. Like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you're without, you're without Alave. You're without your right tackle. What are we just trying to see how we can get this done with as few people as possible? It didn't make any sense. So uh, we'll talk to Ross about what was going on there. On that Zach Wilson thing that you brought up, Lee, by the way, he came out of the game. They said head injury. They said not a concussion. Then they said he was dehydrated. It was a very weird situation. He came out at halftime. I think the guy just didn't want to come back in the game, which, like, Fine, fair, whatever. They were down twenty-four, nothing. He was taking brutal sack after brutal sack. I, I think Zach Wilson has has just about quit. You know what the best thing about that was is the fact that now that pretty well locks the door that Aaron Rodgers will not play. Because they're eliminated. Yeah. Yeah, they're eliminated now. There's no reason. Most uh, syndicated uh, talk show hosts have been saying what I've been saying. It'd be ridiculous for him to come in, uh, coming back on such short notice after that Achilles and there was talk he would play well this coming Sunday against the commanders I think uh, they'd have to activate him by this week but there's no need now they're, yeah. they're not going anywhere they're eliminated so what's the point for Rodgers to have the spotlight on him no ratings no yeah. no pressure help. just go out there and get a few snaps go hey, out there and hey, get the timing down yeah i'm sure families hey uh, i can't go with you on christmas eve to church i got to stay home and watch aaron Rodgers lead the jets yeah that's gonna work i yeah, got different you following the same rogers tradition he's not a big family man himself all right 614 let's get things rolling with the scoreboard traffic and weather by the way we didn't mention alabama's game they had a shot there at the end yeah it's 
We'll have to get into that it's when gonna we get be back. It's going to be the same thing when you're yeah. playing three top five, top eight teams in the country in a row. Brutal schedule. But they were there, and I thought at the end, they went for that late two, really thought if he had gotten it back to Grant Nelson, I thought he was he had a window there for a three to tie it up. But you know they play at 10 o'clock at night on Wednesday against Arizona. 11 o'clock. We'll Eastern have to wait time. for Lee's report on that one. He'll give us <laughs> details on that one the next day. Don't worry about that. All right, we're just getting rolling. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Stay with us. Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. You know, I know it's Monday, but it, it's, it's different. It's not a Manic Monday. I mean, the Saints won, the Falcons lost. I mean, this is, it's like Christmas coming early. This is perfect. And for a second there, Green Bay and Tampa were kind of close. I'm like, oh, snap, we're going to. We're going to pull off the trifecta here, but I'll take two out of three. Well, it's nice that we can come in and you can guys lay off Derek Carr because he had a terrific rating yesterday, his best game as a Saint, and maybe his best game in quite some time. Yeah. At one point, I think he was like 11 out of 12 completions or 11 in a row or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I'll lay off him for, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was the Giants. The Giants aren't very good. Tell that to the three teams they defeated in a row. I think the larger narrative, right. one of those it's teams like Carolina, is the Patriots. Carolina's not very good either, but I'll go tell Atlanta that they're not. Well, to be honest with you, there's a lot of teams that aren't very good, but as you know, on any given Sunday, uh, a team can rise. Now that the cliche the Falcons machine over game, here. the Falcons, thank you. The uh, Falcons <laughs> game was like played in slop because of the weather and everything, and the Panthers didn't win this until there was no time remaining. I Panero know. Kicked a field goal. You hear about those ticket prices for the Panthers Falcons game? No, but I heard the ticket prices for Saints Giants were ridiculous too. It was like twenty one bucks. Yeah, the uh Panthers Falcons game allegedly got as low as forty five cents. Oh, I did hear, did you hear that. about that. Yes. I mean it was granted it was a monsoon, uh, and you know, the worst team. Maybe maybe in quite some time in the NFL. Could but you imagine taking four forty five cents. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, Would you have yeah. gone for that, yeah, Lee? Ch- yeah, do you have change for a dollar? Uh, I was about to say keep the change. Keep yeah. the change. So so in this day and age of all this, you know, ticket paper and not being having that, so what do you do? You just give them forty five cents on your way in? And who's gonna who's gonna be able to hey, I don't have change for a dollar. I don't have change for five dollars. That's crazy. Yeah. For national, so fo- I mean, even twenty-one bucks for a yeah. for a NFL game is just it's a- like when the fees out. What was their the uh, announced price? attendance? Because I know they did not come close to a sellout. What was it for the uh, Panthers? I didn't see a number on it, but they showed a a picture from probably twenty minutes before kickoff. It, it really did look like less than a thousand people were there. Forty-five cents. Who who reported that? StubHub or something? Yeah, it, it was a screenshot that came out, and then I looked myself, That's and I funny. saw, like, $9 tickets. So I, I couldn't verify that myself, uh, but very, very bad so, situation so in Carolina. So the family gets up and says, hey, want to go to the Panthers game? We only have to pay, let's see, 45 cents yeah. times four or whatever. Billy, little Billy, bring a couple friends. My treat. Yeah. I, the conditions of it. Pretty bad. I mean, it, it almost looked like there was have another to be paid game this go. weekend, which was horrendous conditions. One of the bowl games, Appalachian State's bowl game, 
there was something like 13 or 14 fumbles in the game. It was like a 13 to 9 finish. Hmm. Hmm. Jacksonville State won their bowl game. Didn't they win on some crazy like two point conversion? They won an overtime, I think, on a game winning field goal. I got about. I didn't watch an FBS though. I I did not watch a single down of bowl football. I did not a single down, and I I kept looking at the. I kept looking at the schedule, and there's really nothing that grabs me for the, this week either, quite frankly. I, I was kind of curious about Jacksonville State, so I watched a little bit. I say not a lot, but a little bit. You still had NFL games going on. You had college basketball. I was switching back and forth with, uh, what, Kentucky, North Carolina. I, didn't, I don't have Peacock, so I didn't get the Purdue-Arizona game, but uh, there were a couple of basketball games that caught my attention. And like I said, you had the three NFL games, and the first NFL game on Saturday was the best one, uh, with Cincinnati coming from behind to beat Minnesota. The other two were kind of wipeouts. So th- there was some good stuff there. And, and, and the bowl games, let's face it, you know, you, you have to have, like I did on Saturday, nothing to do. And the fact that the weather wasn't so great outside to sit in. Now, my whole thing was I'll watch a minute or two so I can come in and say, hey, I watched these bowl games. <laughs> I didn't catch them all, though. I didn't catch the UCLA game, and they came from behind to win their game. Uh, let me ask you, because we got a couple minutes here, and I know we'll get to it uh, later, but uh, the Alabama basketball game, I-, I felt like at the end there, was it Sears that got the two? Yeah, but when he made like, the layup with yeah, like three seconds I left. feel like if he made that extra pass to Grant Nelson, at least they would have had a look. Even a even a step back three, I I don't know. Like, what are the chance? I I hate relying on a missed free throw at the end because even a best case scenario, you get the ball back down two. Yeah. With three seconds left, and I understand his little See, almost half court heave was halfway down, but it just did. take the step back three. That was a crazy but three. That's the type of game. If if you're playing at home, you win, and if you play on the road, you're probably going to lose. Yeah. That was an unbelievable. I've never seen a ball go that far in the basket. Yeah, it was crazy. And then pop out like that. That was nuts. I almost felt like she, he should have gotten credit for it. That's how far to Like, it was <laughs> so far in the cylinder. It was more in the cylinder than it was out. Yeah. I don't know if they would have won in overtime, but still, I mean. They couldn't They they couldn't rotate underneath. The big guy was killing them. Same, same situation. They got in foul trouble again. Baylor Shireman was killing them. It's like very, I very said, though, you get the calls against you on the road like that yeah. normally. And Cre- one thing about Creighton is, you know, they're a very good free throw shooting team. They get to the line because of their big guys, and their big guys can shoot free throws. They have, they have issues, and, and people can complain about the refs. And the refs through the last two games I don't think have been good between Purdue and Creighton, but Alabama's got to learn to uh, play in the paint without fouling. So it is what it is. But we'll isn't see that what one of their – Arizona. Uh, as we understood coming into the year, this is going to be one of their weaknesses, not having yeah. a real big without Benianco being there. Yeah, I mean that's kind of that's kind of the big weakness. So we'll see what ha- they brought in guys and Takes just a, a while. completely different roster. I, I think Takes they can. Yeah, I think they can get it together and and be a decent. So, you know, one of the things that you know you you, you see the difference. Auburn's got, a, believe it or not, you know they talk about guys coming in, but they do have a lot of guys back from last year. Uh, now the backcourt. The one kid, you know, the the, the freshman, 
uh, Aiden Holloway. He's he's really the catalyst as to how far they're going to go this year. But they still have Donaldson back in the backcourt. They have Jalen Williams. They have Cardwell. Kenai uh, Broom. Broom. The, they have a lot of players. Chris Moore's been there forever. So it, it helps when they've played together and, and they know, you know, this early in the season. So I think, you know, the, the thing for Alabama, I think, is the, the expectations are going to get a lot better once they really get to play with one another. Well, and they can do the math. With three seconds left, you need three. Maybe you don't shoot for two. Mm. Just a just a thought. Just a thought. Uh, Sears right. played well again. It, it's weird. Sears is probably the best player on the oh, team. Oh, there's no question. It's just a very different team. Uh, Zach Golson will join us next. Stay with us. The opening kickoff just starting here on a Monday edition right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. on me it's monday sounded i'm good. still i'm still yeah you had it good yeah uh most people uh most people like it when they can't hear me or understand me uh that of course uh from last yesterday's chicago bears loss there at the end a quote-unquote drop hail mary welcome back in it's the opening kickoff mark lee and Bronner are all in the studios of wnsp uh we'll take your calls here in a little bit Mary G. Montgomery football coach jack olson had a very busy weekend if, let's see if i'm correct on this i think uh, Friday or this past week coaching in the uh, South-North game and then doing the commentary on the Alabama-Mississippi High School All-Star game in Hattiesburg, won by the South team. Zach, does that pretty well bring us up to date on your activities this weekend? Yeah, it was a, it was a busy week. So you saw a lot of football. How about Ryan Williams, a last-minute addition to the South team, and he gets MVP. What was that like watching him out there? Yeah, I thought that was really cool that uh, Ryan got a chance to go compete in that game. Uh, really, you know, one of the best players ever played the game in high school in our state. And uh, for him to get to play in that was really a special moment. Uh, it's always great to see the best players play. Uh, you know, you hate when guys have to drop out. You hope it's for injury. But I know there were a lot of guys on official visit this weekend and things like that, too. But... Uh, it was great to see him play, man. Seeing him get to go play and catch balls from Jared Hollins and and uh, Gagliano from from Opelika, um, you know, especially from Jared though the two five one connection down here. Uh, it was really cool to see. Cool to see. All right, what was it like uh, doing the commentary with uh, Corey LeBounty? How how'd you feel? In the were you uh, nervous at all, or was this something that came to? Now, this coach, this might be two-part question, though. First of all, how was it to call a game, which might have been fun, but how was it dealing with our WNSP cohort, Corey Labonte? Might be two different answers here. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. You know, Corey's easy to follow. He's a real pro at what he does. So, uh, I really enjoyed it, though. It, it was a little nervous at first, but, you know, my, my job was pretty easy. Follow him and, and talk about football, so... Uh, I like doing that, and, you know, like I said, Corey's a real pro at what he does, and 
always enjoy getting to spend the time with yeah. him. Don't give us the coach speak, man. You're you're in the media now. We need we need hard. Uh, we need hot takes here. Yeah, that's that. That's the that's the true facts, though. So I'm giving you, I'm giving you the real answers. I enjoyed time with Corey, and uh, I, mean, I really did. I had a great time. The the view was great, and you know it was a. Uh, I've never done that before, so it was definitely something different for me. But um, you know, like I said, I know a lot of those kids. I know all those coaches, and so it was it was certainly easy easy to talk about. Somebody you know quite well, your quarterback Hollins. Uh, why don't you talk about his game? Uh, also, as far as uh, the game he had, and yeah, that was on Friday. Did exactly what I've watched him do for the last two years. Um, you know, he was—he just took what the defense gave him. He was really efficient with his play, really clean with his play. You know, you didn't see a lot of—he had no turnovers, took care of the ball, and uh, you know, again, took what the defense gave him. I thought he did just really efficient. Man, took took check down routes. Uh, made a couple plays out of the pocket, which was nice to see. Um, you know, I mean, he had good players around him, and so he just, again, he he uh, he dealt the ball like a like a good leader should. Man, I saw a couple pictures of him, and we had a few penalties, probably more penalties than what we would like to have had. And you see him leading on the sideline, and you know, trying to you know make sure that guys are doing what they're supposed to do. He was a, he was a team captain for the team. That didn't shock me at all, um, you know. So, all the things that we said that have made him great uh, throughout the last two years, you saw them continue. Even you know, with the best players in the state around him, he's still the same guy. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, the cream's gonna rise to the top. And I think he's he's that kind of guy. So, so let me ask you this: uh, in the two games, North South on Friday. Alabama, Mississippi. Who are some of the other local players that that stood out? I mean, the three running backs in Seven A Region One were were unbelievable uh, in the North South game. Can't say enough about them. Nick Clark from Daphne, uh, Colton Nero from Foley, DJ Butler uh, from Davidson. I mean, they could have easily been the three guys in the Alabama Mississippi. Um, you know, the guys that were at the Alabama Mississippi were really good players too. Probably a little bit bigger backs, but. The three that I had in that in the North South game were off the charts. I think we ran for close to 300 yards. I mean, those guys were were really really good. Josh Flowers, Caleb McCreary, two quarterbacks. I got to coach. Um, they were as advertised. Both both kids, you know, really really good players. Uh, strong arms, very smart. We threw a lot at those guys in three days, and for them to pick it up and be able to. To go execute at the level that we did, I thought was really impressive. Um, the O line that, that we got, I thought was really good. Uh, the Jalen back, Logan Jalen back, really good player. You know, shout out to Brandon Autry. Uh, he got injured in the game. He had a really good week of practice. Uh, we're definitely continuing to pray for him and his family as he kind of recovers from that injury. Um, you know, there were so many good players. The D lines on both squads were. We're really strong. Um, kid from Sailing stepped in and, and played really well. Um, let's see who else. Inside linebacker Trent Hood uh, was kind of a fill-in player. Came down from, um, from Central Phoenix City. Stepped in and had a really good week of practice. He was a really nice player. Uh, James Bolton, my receiver, uh, um, 
and uh, Todd Goodwill showed a lot of, showed a lot of good things during the week of practice. We kind of struggled to get the ball to him a little bit, just mostly protection, um, things that are hard to teach in three days. Um, you know, just you need chemistry on the O-line, and, and just, again, it takes some time to get those things to gel and do, do what you need to to be able to throw the ball. And the corners for the, for the North team were really, really strong. So, you know, we didn't throw it as, as much as we'd like to do, maybe keep some more balance, but we were running it so well that uh, we were still able to move the ball and score pretty good. So, so many good players. I mean, both rosters, north-south, were loaded with talent. I was telling guys there were probably, you know, 10 or so power five guys and probably 30-plus, you know, group of five players on both rosters combined. And, you know, we all always know there's a lot of power five kids on the Alabama Mississippi roster. So, it was, man, it was just a lot of fun to, to coach that kind of talent. The coaching staffs were great, north and south. A lot of fun hanging out with those guys, obviously the south guys or uh, guys that I'm close to, and you know, we had a lot of fun together, and it was fun fun to have that experience. You know, Zach, uh, when we, it's been my experience when, when coaches get into that kind of situation there where it's an all-star game. You, not only do you get to hang with some of those other coaches that you're normally kind of coaching against and kind of looking at kind of with an evil eye across the way for most of the year, but you get to know some of those kids too. And generally the feedback I get is some of the, most of these guys are such great kids, regardless of their football ability. They're just really good guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I saw this week, man. And it was like you said, it was the cream of the crop. The guys that were picked for this game are the best players and, for the most part, your best players are the reason why. And they're good kids. They do the right things. They train the right way. And um, like I said, you saw that this week. Guys were on time where they were supposed to be. And, uh, you know, that's the that's the result of good coaching. People teach them the right things. And like I said, the guys that are the good players are those kind of guys. Exactly. They're where they're supposed to be on time and, and do the right things. To the best of your knowledge, is Zach, uh, is, is Jared Hollins going to sign with South Alabama on Wednesday? Yeah, no, I think he's, he's dialed in the South, and, you know, he's excited about it. We've talked quite a bit. He's had other people come in for sure, but and the chance to get to play for, for Coach Womack and, uh, and obviously uh, Coach Applewhite, man. I, I, the development that I've seen of the guys that are on their roster – um, has been really, really impressive. And I think that's something that Jared's really excited about. Um, you know, I, I watched those guys last spring, and um, there was really no doubt in my mind Jared I was going to have a chance to go compete for that job. I watched them about two weeks ago, and, man, they have really improved. So it's going to be a challenge for Jared, something that he's really excited about. Uh, I think he can go in and compete with those guys early. Uh, but also the developmental side of it, man, Major does such a great job. And I think uh, it's going to be fun to see Jared's improvement and all that group's improvement and watch that competition unfold over the next few months. So what's uh, more difficult, coaching in an all-star game as you did Friday or broadcasting an all-star game as you did Saturday? You know, I'm going to say coaching. Uh, I'm going to say coaching was more difficult. Uh, I was you know, I was coaching for Coach Kirk Johnson. He's the head coach. He's 41-2. and two. And so I didn't want to be the guy that kind of put that extra you know, that third loss on, on his head. I, I wanted to make sure that we scored enough points to uh, 
to help you get the W, and uh, it had me nervous. So I guess that was more nerve-wracking. Like I said, I just followed a real pro, and Corey uh, didn't have any uh, wins and losses on my on my head. <laughs> uh, and commentating, so I was good. Man, you were way too kind to Corey, man. I, I, you know, I when he when Lee told me you were coming on, I'm like, all right, we're gonna get the good stuff. We're gonna get the dirt on Corey, man, and you just won't break. You just won't give us anything. Uh, like I said, man, Corey's been really good to me. He's always first class, and just like you guys, man, the what y'all do for high school sports and the people in our area to promote our game and our kids and our coaches. You know, I can't thank y'all enough for everything, man. Do you have a replacement for Hollins already in place for next season at MGM? Yeah, we've got a kid, Shondell Harris, uh, that plays. Uh, he's played safety and uh, defensive corner, linebacker. He's played all over the place on defense. He's kind of been our quarterback on the defense uh, for two years. Even as a freshman, he was one of our best defensive players. And he's played JV quarterback. We knew he was kind of our guy moving forward, so we've worked to develop him over the last two years. And when he led our freshman team to an undefeated season when he was a freshman as a quarterback, not as a DB. So, you know, we think that we think he's a special player with the ball in his hands. He scored nine touchdowns this year, whether it was wildcat or running back. Uh, he's just a dynamic guy with the ball in his hands, and he's a very, very capable passer. We've got to develop him uh, this off season, or continue to develop him. But he um, he's a special player, and for him to get a touch the ball every snap is going to be a problem for people. Coach, we appreciate it, man. Congrats on double duty this weekend. Uh, the future looks bright in a number of industries. It it, it appears for you, sir. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I'm gonna keep doing what we're doing right now. But love, really enjoyed the the opportunity to do that and. I'm thankful to have Christmas break coming up, getting to spend some time with family. There Merry you go. Christmas, Zach. Hey, Thanks man, we appreciate us. it. Congrats. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. By the way, uh, one of the latest commitments to the Senior Bowl happens to be the SEC Defensive Player of the Year from Mississippi State, Nathaniel Watson, one of the latest to uh, commit for that February 3rd game. All right, when we come back, uh, we'll wrap up our number one. We'll talk some Alabama at 7 o'clock with Rodney Orr. Kane Womack, a guy we just mentioned, uh, he will join us at 7.30. Matt Cohen on Auburn. Ross Jackson at 8.30 on the Saints. Maybe I'll throw him a Falcons question. I feel like Stephen A. Smith when the Cowboys lose. Just kind of giggling. All right. Hang with us. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff. Rolling along. Hi, this is Tim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP. bit here over the last couple weeks collaboration oh is that what it is yeah uh at 651 thanks for hanging with us on this monday edition it's the opening kickoff mark lee and Bron are all in the studios at wnsp joined now by dr james spires premier medical center but a couple of uh, months ago we talked to dr spires about the uh, venue out in wyoming some uh let's see you got some good advice for some duck hunters and a place to go and uh jim first of all uh, good morning and happy holidays to you and your family how you doing? Good. 
Yeah, I'm doing great. Happy holidays to you and Mark. I uh, appreciate you calling. All right. And are you filled up now? I mean, you've got the uh, the venue out there. You were talking about having any hunters come out there and stay in Wyoming with you and your son. Do you still have some slots available? We do. We're 157outfitters.com, and we have a calendar there, and we hunt geese and ducks. Uh, we have uh, the most uh, geese in the country uh, there, and they're really migrating in pretty good right now. And we have uh, just thousands of geese in the valley and lots of mallards. And uh, we hunt thousands of acres with underground heated pits. And all of our hunts, are uh, they're all inclusive where you we supply the lodging, guns, ammo, bird cleaning, packaging. Uh, the only thing you pay for is your food, which there in the Midwest you can – get a big huge steak for almost nothing that's a beef capital of the world but uh, yeah we do have some openings uh we have groups you can come in a group of two to ten you stay in a lodge by yourself no matter what size group you're in and uh, we do have a calendar on the 157 outfitters uh, site that you can look to see if the days are available but the hunts are generally either two or three days and you stay uh, one extra night in the lodging and like i said it's all inclusive and the best hunting is toward the end of january and the first of february uh the season's open to like february 17th this year so uh yeah we'd love you to come to the website and book a hunt and uh it's it's a great hunt in southeast wyoming all right let me uh, before we go i'm, I'm going to ask you this uh, for for anybody out there who has sinus condition problems thanks to the constant changing of temperatures and so forth, and if they need some advice from you, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, call me at Premier Medical, uh, 341-3396, and uh, we'll be happy to see you and work you in. Uh, uh, a lot of people go to urgent, urgent cares all the time, which uh, which is helpful in you know the flu season, but uh, I can almost work in anybody that's really sick that day. Uh, we make... Uh, uh, we'll make arrangements to see you. So 341-3396, and we're happy to see you. Have a wonderful Christmas, uh, Dr. Spires. You, Thanks. You too. Take care, bye -bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, we got some time. You guys can jump on in at 694-1055. Saints win. Falcons lost. <laughs> Enough said. It's not so much the Falcons lost. It's who they lost to. Yeah. The Carolina Panthers. Yeah. And it came down to no time remaining if Panero kicked. We had another game like that, uh, the Titans and the Texans. And the Texans won in overtime with no time remaining on a field goal. But in that game, we talk about, you know, guys that have great games and guys that don't. Derrick Henry afterwards talked to the media. He had 16 carries and gained a total of nine yards. As a as a owner of Derrick Henry on my fantasy team, I'm well aware of his stats. Uh, it also he made it sound pretty clear that his time there is is done. My question now for you guys is: Is there a spot for him somewhere in the NFL? What is he? 29 now? Something like that. I think he's 29. Uh, where's his next move? Because this is a guy that I think gets better with more carries, right? Is there somebody that's going to give him 20 carries a game out there? Is he – I mean, I still I, I got to believe there's some tread left on those tires, but how much? Yeah, see, I happen to agree with you. I, I would think a team that's got a pretty good offensive line and a team that relies on running, and that may be the Indianapolis Colts. I couldn't believe what I saw on Saturday in this day and age. The Colts went on a drive in their win 
where I think it was a 15-play drive. It eventually wound up in a field goal. The first 14 were running plays, Mark. I don't think I've seen that at all this year, where an NFL team drove down the field, and the f- all the first 14 plays were all running plays, and then the 15th was an incomplete pass, so they had to settle for the field goal. Hmm. So a team that likes to run, and let's face it, a guy like Derek, Derek Henry is very important when you get to late November, December because of the weather conditions because it's tougher to throw and the prevailing conditions. We've seen some really bad. And if you look at some of the stats, like Josh Allen in the Buffalo win, he didn't throw that many passes in the game. You know, it's cold up there and the temperatures and the weather notwithstanding, you know, quarterbacks don't have as much success playing in that kind of atmosphere. And we talked about like the Carolina game where the conditions were ridiculous, where you do need a good running back. 29 seems like old for a running back with the wear and tear but i would say that some team might take a flyer on yeah him. i don't i don't know if 29 is is i don't know if i'd label it as old but for him because of the number of carries over the years i think might be he's a, a problem he's a big guy Tw- 29 is is old for it, it is but, but he's but like i say he's he's not like a you know a 510 scat back or something like that i mean this guy's a pretty rugged guy I'll never forget when he was being recruited by Alabama. I'm not going to name the name, but one of these uh, recruiting guys, you know, that, that, that know it all, suggested that he was going to Alabama to become a linebacker and name not the a name. running back. I'm not. Gonna, I'll tell you off the air. Okay. It's not somebody here. I, I'm just talking. It was a. Na- he's a nationwide guy. He, he he's no longer employed by ESPN. Hmm. <laughs> First name is Todd. Ah, I I pick up. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Well, that's half of it. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's I don't McShay. know. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, some. It's not like Derrick Henry will be unemployed next year. Some I of the apps is Derrick Henry is old and he he run like he's old. Yeah, I I kind of tend to ag- face. I kind of tend to agree. <laughs> Like, someone will take a flyer on him, and he'll be on a team, but I can tell you what's going to happen is he'll go to a new team, and he'll be like, oh, like, this team got Derrick Henry, look out, and then ultimately he won't make a ton of uh, impact. Dude, like, in this day and age, you don't see a lot of consistency in, in a running back. You see, like, a game here and a game there, like that guy for Buffalo Cook. James had Cook, the, yep. Had the game of his life. What do you have, 180 yards running? And, again, that's so important in, in climates like that in the Northeast and in, in games in November and December. If you can't run the football late in the season, the chances are you're not going to do well. I remember listening to the Saints game yesterday, and one of the, the play-by-play announcer said, give the ball to Saquon Barkley because the record is when he scores a touchdown, the Giants usually win. But guess what? The Saints wouldn't let that happen yesterday. Yeah. And if you're getting sacked seven times in a game and you're getting brutalized by the Saints defense, brutalized. Don't, don't you then look to like maybe we should run the ball a little more just to offset some of the uh, the, the linebackers coming in and, and destroying the quarterback? You throw a screen or something. What about Tommy Cutlet's uh Agent, man, looking like a leprechaun out there. He didn't, he didn't want to be noticed. Yeah, that's what it was. All right, here we go. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two includes back to back to back. Rodney Orr, John Ricchetti, Kane Womack right here on the sports station. WNSP and WNSP.com. Hang with us.
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Indeed, here we are, hour number two, boys and girls. Thanks for hanging with us on this Monday edition. We got a lot to get to in this hour. So without further ado, the one, the only, Lee Shervanian. Appreciate it very much. Some quick headlines before we get to Rodney Orr. Uh, three NFL teams, Philadelphia, along with Dallas and Baltimore, all firmed up playoff spots in the NFL. 49ers already did, so that's four slots that have been taken. Saints won, so did Tampa. They're still tied for first in the NFC South. Two quarterbacks had to leave yesterday on concussion protocol. Lawrence of the Jags, Wilson of the Jets. Uh, a few notes on college athletes. Colin Lacey, South Alabama's leading receiver and the sixth leading receiver in the nation is uh, reportedly transferring to Louisville. Uh, the quarterback at Ohio State, Kyle McCord, transferring to Syracuse. And Ole Miss picked themselves up uh, one of the better uh, receivers that's in the portal, Antoine Juice-Wells, who played at South Carolina. Uh, the SEC Defensive Player of the Year, Nathaniel Watson, is coming to the Senior Bowl. He played for Mississippi State. And then there was a report this weekend that the number one football recruit in the 2025 class, quarterback Bryce Underwood of Bellevue, Michigan, reportedly has Alabama on his list, and he's going to announce January 6th. And to that, we bring in Rodney Orr from Tider Insider, who keeps us up to date on what's going on recruiting-wise. Good morning, Rodney. How are you today? Good morning, Lee. How are you guys? Good. Was uh, Bryce Underwood in Tuscaloosa this weekend, as reported? Yes. Uh, you know, he came in, I think it was, uh, might have been Friday night or Saturday. He was in the weekend, and, you know, like you said, he's from Belleville, Michigan. He's actually, Alabama has a player right now, a guy that plays, contributes quite a bit, you know, from the same uh, town, same school, uh, Damon Payne on the defensive line. So, yes, he was. He's obviously, you know, right now the number one quarterback in, the, in this that 2025 class and a guy that uh, is going to announce, I think it's January the 6th, and uh, I know LSU's been in there among other schools, several other schools. Colorado's even gotten a visit. They're in there. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. His decision isn't that far away. All right. Let's uh, – we look to Wednesday, early signing day. Where is Alabama right now, especially in terms of numbers, players, and do you expect anything major to happen in the next two days before Wednesday? Well, right now, I guess you got 21. Uh, you know, there is some question whether or not one of those will. Uh, well, of course, now Ryan Williams out of Saraland does not sign until February the 9th. But of the of the remaining group, there's question that maybe one would sign, and that'd be Quentin Reese uh, out of Birmingham, uh, Ramsey High School uh, uh, linebacker. Uh, there there is some question about whether or not he signs Wednesday. But other than that, yeah, they're they're all expected to sign. Um, you know, as far as things major that might happen, I guess if you wanted to say the the, the in terms of the stars, uh, five star Edric Houston, who was here this weekend on an unofficial visit, visited back in the summer. Uh, he's a defensive lineman from Buford, Georgia, been committed to Ohio State since August. Uh, he's a guy that uh, you might want to watch. He visited Clemson as well late last week. So 
I'm not saying he's flipping, but there's certainly a possibility anytime a guy makes a visit this late, uh, you certainly would want to keep an eye on him. And then there's some other guys that I think they'll eventually add to the class, you know, if not between now and Wednesday on Wednesday. Rodney Orr is our guest here on WNSP. All right, so you mentioned Ryan Williams. You mentioned if somebody goes on a visit this late, it's, it's always something to keep an eye on. What do you make of Ryan Williams being at the Auburn-USC game and student section cheering, we want Ryan? Well, you know, his situation's a little different because now he's not signing Wednesday. Yeah. So he's still going to have some time, you know, till February the 9th. But, uh, yeah, fully expected him to take visits, and, and he may take some more, you know, after this visit that he had at Auburn. And, you know, certainly they want to uh, – they'd love to have him. He's, he's one of the premier players to come out of the state in many, many years. There's no question about that. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. You know, as of right now, I think the feeling is that Alabama still remains in good position with him. But, you know, when anytime you're dealing with a prospect – as heavily recruited as he is, uh, it can be unpredictable. So of those who are expected to sign Wednesday, who would you say is right now the number one recruit in the class coming in? Well, I think they have like four four guys that are number one at their position. Uh, the highest rated guy would be Julian Sayan. Uh, the quarterback out of California. Anytime you can get a quarterback that is uh, considered a, I guess, a franchise type player coming out of high school, uh, you have to consider him as probably the number one guy, at least in terms of, uh, you know, if you wanted to stack them up and rate them. Uh, but they have some other really outstanding players, you know, in the class. But I would have to go, uh, Lee, with uh, Julian saying the quarterback out of California. And again, I, I do think that they're going to add a, a few guys between now and Wednesday. So with Ryan Williams holding off, and you mentioned another player might do that. So would that would that count as far as when they do the consensus, as far as you know who had the top class? Because I'm wondering, would Alabama fall short of being the number one class? But then you look down the road when some of the other guys signed, could they then venture into that number one spot? Well, I think uh, you know uh, they probably they'll look at it on Wednesday and say, okay, this is where it is right now. And then, you know, adjust it come February when that national signing day comes. Of course, he's signing on the 9th. I think that's his birthday. Uh, so it's just going to be a little bit after the, the first Wednesday in February, national signing day. But, yeah, they'll, they'll adjust, uh, you know, the rankings accordingly, depending on, you know, what your final class uh, looks like. But, um, yeah, I think Alabama – certainly could push for that depending on what happens i mean georgia could lose a few guys there's been talk that they might lose uh, dylan rayola who is a five-star quarterback recruit of theirs and uh you know maybe that could affect some things uh to the point where it might give alabama an, uh, a shot to be number one in this class but I, I, again i really don't know so from the players that are expected to sign does it appear that alabama filled all their needs was there a particular position they went after but does it seem like they've added depth where they needed it well i think you know if you just look at the high school group i think it's a really really good group they got a lot of top players you always want more at certain positions i think they could have gotten more defensive linemen uh the way it appears right now but that's where the portal comes in you know this transfer portal you had a uh, uh, 
LT Overton from Texas A&M's a defensive end that was in this weekend. Uh, you had another player that's a, an edge player, Fidel Diggs, also from Texas A&M. Trey Moore from uh, UT San Antonio. All those guys are, you know, good good players coming out of the portal. So, and again, I, I'm not saying they're landing any of them or would take any of them uh, where it is right now. Uh, in fact, I, I think Trey Moore's probably headed to Texas, uh, but. Uh, that's where the portal comes in because I think he, Alabama desperately could use a, a, another corner if they could find the right one. Uh, given the fact that you're probably losing Terry and Arnold, uh, you're, you're certainly expected to lose uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry as well. So, so that's your two top corners there. And I would think that if you had an opportunity to pick up a quality corner in the uh, portal, you'd probably do it. Speaking of the portal, has Alabama lost anybody of significance yet in the portal? Now, I did see where wide receiver Ja'Cory Brooks reportedly is going to Louisville. Uh, is this a huge loss for Alabama, and are there any others that you could see? Well, I think, you know, right now, obviously what happened over the weekend with Elijah Pritchett, I think that would have been a big loss. He's a guy that's got plenty reps, uh, quite a few reps at left tackle throughout this season behind Caden Proctor, and a guy that a lot of people think will challenge as the right starting right tackle next year as just a redshirt sophomore. You know, he hit the portal, I think it was on Friday, but well, by Saturday morning he already changed his mind, and he's staying. So I thought that was big. You know, Lee, the way things are, right now you don't really know who might jump in the portal these guys get antsy uh they want to play right away uh or they feel like they're not moving up the depth chart in a, in a fashion that they they'd like and they jump in the portal so i mean i think after the playoffs probably after uh, we, we might see or between you know certainly before the the portal closes uh you could see some guys from alabama more guys uh, jump in the portal i would expect that uh but again it's uh, it's so difficult to predict Rodney, never short any storylines, man. How can people continue to follow all of the news coming out of Tuscaloosa? Yes, tighterinsider.com. It's only $48 a year, and you can get instant access with your credit card. Uh, or if you prefer, there is an address there to send a check. Gives you all our premium information. But also our all-sports forum. That's our community of Alabama fans there. As we say, it never really stops there on tighterinsider.com. Thanks for the time, as always. Have a Merry Christmas. We'll be in touch. Okay, guys, appreciate it. Take care. Yep. All right, scoreboard traffic and weather are next. We'll do the Miller Lite Golf Report. And then uh, at 7.30, Kane Womack, the South Alabama football coach, set to join us. And, oh, yeah, we might give you a daily dose of fried deliciousness. That's all coming up in hour number two on this Monday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee, Bronner, all in the studios at WNSP right here on the Sports Station. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. All right, 7:22. Welcome back in. The opening kickoff continues. Lee Shervanian right here on the sports station WNSP. I don't know why I'm telling you. You know. You're here. Sometimes I forget things, so short-term memory. I'm a, that's short-term that's memory. what we call a softball question or yep. a comment. I'm just going to let it I'm just gonna let it hang there. I'm All right, let's go to John Ricchetti now with the Miller Lite Golf Report. Over the weekend, uh, some news about 
Well, not so much Tiger, but his son, Johnny. Is that correct? Hello? Uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm here, Lee. Yeah, I uh, just had some music there. I couldn't hear what you were saying. Something about uh, uh, the Woods family, but more so on the son than the uh, father? Well, you know, it's it, first of all, the PNC Championship is really a great event. I just, to see the pride that and the joy that comes from uh, the parents of the kids playing golf and the family tradition that everybody is, is so hats off to them. I think it's a great event that I think is going to continue to grow in popularity and so forth. But, uh, yeah, Char Charlie Woods is uh obviously got a lot of talent that i can see and the kids got some swagger to them too almost to the point of being a little arrogant uh but i guess when you got that kind of talent and so forth i guess you possess uh those those type of characteristic traits but i thought uh the wood team had a good day uh, yesterday 11 under tied for the low round uh in the scramble format but even though they did ended up tied for fifth I think the first day they just couldn't make any putts and ended up to, but the, the longer team, Bernhard Longer, his son played extremely well uh, yesterday and, and they ended up winning it. But all in all, I thought it was great. I thought Annika Sorensen with her son, Will, I think the kid at the age of 12 is a really class young individual that I think is going blossom to blossom into a really, really good golfer. Uh, player, so we'll wait to see uh, what Tiger. I thought overall, I thought Tiger Woods looked quite quite well. Um, I think 2024 bodes well for Tiger Woods based on the two events that I've seen as far as health goes, and he continues to say that he's going to play once a month. So if that is the case, uh, we could see uh, uh, Tiger Woods a lot next year. And also, I didn't realize, but I uh, just realized this picked up this this weekend is that Tiger Woods is not uh, eligible uh, for the U.S. Open this year. And what's that mean? I, I, he's, right now, he'd have to qualify. But that being said, 100% uh, the USGA will give him a sponsor's exemption, and uh, he'll be ready. He'll be in the U.S. Open. But uh, I thought he's it's been a while since he won the Masters, so I thought he still was uh, exempt, but he's not exempt for the U.S. Open uh, this year. We'll keep an eye on that, but we'll be on the air tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll talk and break down the PNC Championship and talk about uh, possible new uh, funding that's going to be coming to the PGA Tour. Deal should be uh, intimate now with the Sports Venture Group and also with the, with the PIV, Pins Golf. So we'll wait to see how this all pans out and hope we'll have some more news tonight at 6 o'clock live from Terry Thompson Chevrolet. Johnny, many thanks. Enjoy your week. We'll catch up to you on Friday. All right? All right, guys. Have a great week. All right. I, I wanted to, uh, earlier in the show, Mark, you mentioned that not only do you love to see the Saints win, but you take as much pleasure in seeing the Falcons lose. Yeah! Which, and, of course, I hear that a lot with Alabama and Auburn, and I, I know I've been told many times that if Auburn loses, fine, but some Auburn fans uh, take great pride in seeing Alabama lose and vice versa. But I thought that as much as I enjoy Charles Barkley, and I do, and I caught him in real time yesterday during the Auburn uh, game against Southern Cal when he was talking about Alabama, how much he likes Nick Saban, but roots very hard against Alabama. In fact, he went on to say he would root more for Afghanistan over Alabama. I thought that may have been a little bit over the top. 
Yeah, he's made similar comments like that in the past. I don't know if it was specifically about <laughs> Afghanistan, but he has made some comment about some uh, about his dislike for Alabama. He, as always, was very good on the broadcast. Uh, he 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 hit all the right. Like they talked college football. He even he even talked about Florida State. Now he was for Florida State getting in, but he actually, you know, they were coming back from a promotion, right? And ESPN was doing the whole check out the Rose Bowl January first, and and his first comment coming back is, "What time does Florida State play?" Like it was it was really funny. He made the point to promote Auburn. He was recruiting out there, um, but he talked about Bruce Pearl and, and how much he enjoys Auburn. He made the comment about Birmingham being the suburb of Leeds. Like he does, he's got his his he, he got deep into his bag, but he's always entertaining. The, the most entertaining though was diplomatic immunity and all. <laughs> yeah, the Bo Jackson story. Yeah, the Bo Jackson story about uh, that Bo, I guess was stopped one time and and uh, getting into some area they had to go to. He wasn't speeding or anything. He was stopped because he didn't have a visitor's pass. And he said, "Don't you know I have diplomatic immunity?" In this area, I'm Bo Jackson, and Barkley happened, I guess, was in the car with him or so forth. So Barkley was talking about that, that he's got diplomatic immunity around the Auburn area. Yeah, so he's trying to get Jay Williams to go out with him after the game. <clears throat> and he's like, come on, I got diplomatic immunity. He's like, uh, they, we can do whatever we want, legally or illegally, in Auburn. They ain't arresting me in Auburn. So it was it was really funny, and he talked about this Bo Jackson story where he was with Bo, and he didn't have his name tag, and the security guard was like, you need a name tag, and he's like, uh, I'm Bo Jackson. How many times do you get somebody come on during a broadcast and totally overlook what's going on on the floor or on the field? Usually when a guy comes on, okay, we'll have this guy, we're interviewing him, and say, oh, by the way, so-and-so scored or something. The play-by-play -play went for non-existent for about five or six well, minutes. Well, I mean, it was a double-digit lead at that point. It was pretty clear Auburn had that game in hand. Uh, all right, when we come back, We'll talk to Kane Womack. By the way, I know you're a big Tay-Tay fan. Taylor Swift dropped an F-bomb. She was so, shown way too much for she, my liking she, yesterday. She dropped an F-bomb right there on national television. You couldn't hear it, but she clearly mouthed the word. An absurd flop by Kelsey. I was going to say that was a huge flop. If I, Nobody can push a man that size over like that. But Tay-Tay uh, is now a – she's officially an NFL fan for sure. Stay with us. Plenty left. Thanks for hanging with us on this Monday edition. It's the opening kickoff. South Alabama returns to action this coming Saturday at Hancock-Whitney Field. They are a 16-point favorite over Eastern Michigan, at least the last time I looked. Jags gearing up for their uh, a bowl game, hoping to get their first bowl win. And Kane Womack, the head coach, is on the line with us right now. Kane, good morning. Happy holidays. How are you today? Hey, guys. Uh, doing great. I'm uh, excited to... Uh play a bowl game in my favorite town and uh and the guys uh, we've had a really great great couple weeks here at bowl preparation it's uh, it's a busy month you know just between uh recruiting and and bowl prep and all those things but uh our guys have really done a tremendous job and and uh, i'm so excited to get into bowl week all right that was going to be my first question i remember back to last year we had you on and we talked about that that you had to play the bowl game on the day of signing day now, yeah. of course, signing day is Wednesday. You play the bowl game Saturday. Did you learn much from that? I mean, to navigate through all this and get it all done? 
Yeah, you know, I think um, I think you know, last year was was my first bowl game as a head coach, my 24th overall. Um, so you know, I've been to bowl games and done those things for sure. But when when you're a head coach, you're learning how to do it, you know, your way. And uh, and I think there's some mistakes that I made and things that I could have done better to help our team out. Um, and and playing uh, the best of their abilities on on game day. And so there's things that that I've learned from last year that that you know we've tweaked and done differently. And um, ultimately, you know, all that matters is is winning the football game. And uh, and you know you you want to um, you want to enjoy the game. You want your players to to enjoy the bowl experience. Um, uh, but but within the understanding of everything has to be focused on winning the game, and I think I think the way that I'm communicating that to our players this year, I think the way that we're navigating uh, recruiting and and all those things, we've had a better plan on the front end of how we we get our game plan in order. Pretty much the entire uh, game plan is in uh, this week before we've ever you know get into our normal uh, week of preparation, if you want to say, with the players, and so I think that's helped a lot. As well talking with kane womack the head coach of the south alabama jags can you give us kind of a a preview what your starting offensive backfield might look like what with injuries the transfer portal and so forth quarterback running backs wide receivers what that may look like saturday at hancock whitney do you mean like when we run our new triple option stuff uh, for the bowl game or, or, or just our regular offense? Don't tease me now, Coach. Come on I love now. me some triple option. <laughs> so Eastern Michigan, if they're listening, they're taking notes now on the triple option. That's right. How about well, like quarterback, running backs? Because I know Webb is hurt. They say he's not going to play. Yeah. Lacey's left. So well, who might we see out there then on Saturday? Well, I think you know when you when you look at the uh, uh, at the quarterback position, you know first and foremost, I think we've got three options that we're going to make a decision on here in the next couple of days. Uh, I think we're going to play multiple quarterbacks in the game. You know, when you've got a young guy like Gio Lopez, he's done some special things already this season. But every little bit of experience he gets um, helps us uh, for the future. But it also he gives us a chance to to win this bowl game uh, just for some of the things that he can do with his feet. Um, both Desmond and Carter uh, have done obviously great things uh, in, in recent weeks. I mean, Carter um, is battling that 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 knee, and and we've been able to rest him a little bit over the bowl weeks or leading into the, these uh, this bowl week. And so we'll kind of see where he is uh, here today and tomorrow. Um, if he's if he's healed enough to be ready to go, he's taken some reps, but we haven't really asked him to run around that much yet. So we'll see what that looks like. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Desmond did a tremendous job the other day against Texas State. So uh, yet to be determined there uh, at the quarterback position. Um, I think, you know, Brandon McReynolds will be our starting running back going into the game. You'll also see Kentrell Bullock. You're going to see P.J. Martin, a uh, young freshman who's done a really tremendous job this year uh, in, in, in certain moments when we've put him in and, and still preserved his red shirt. So we're excited about his future. You know, it's really fun. You start watching these guys go through bowl preparation. It's almost like having another spring football um, and to watch all the growth that they've had in these bowl practices. And then, you know, you want, you want to see them uh, uh, put it to practice on, on game day. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these younger players um, out there on the field as well. Kane Womack, our guest here on WNSP. All right, so now you piqued my interest, Coach. You mentioned triple option. Just growing up or, or even, <laughs> a, even as a casual fan, 
Is there an I know you guys run what your your skill set allows you to run, but as, as a just a fan of football, is there an offense that you just really enjoy watching? Oh, that's a good that's a good question. Um, I, I love watching uh, Major Applewhite's offense when we're moving the ball sure, off the downfield. Sure. That's probably my favorite offense to watch. Um, you know, I think um, I think teams that do a great job of mixing up tempos, um, which I think we we particularly have gotten better and better at here. Um, but when you when you can mix tempo, go fast, slow down, hard count, maybe get somebody to jump off sides. And you're mixing in a good bit of, of run and RPO game with some shots downfield. I think those teams are really fun to watch. You know what I mean? If, if you stay in one tempo, one speed, if you stay in one style of offense uh, an entire game, I think that defenses and defensive coordinators can kind of settle into those things. But if you're always keeping people off kilter, both with tempo and the type of um, you know runs and passes that you're hitting, uh, you know whether they're shorter perimeter throws in the RPO game or, or you know, so a little bit of intermediate and then those explosive throws downfield. I think those are the things that are hard to defend, and so those are the things that are fun to watch. Yeah. But, um, I yeah. always, uh, no, I always, because I, I really do, I love the triple option. I'm a basketball guy, so when you make a guy commit and then, yeah. and then pitch it, right, so I always like like Major uh, Major Harris over there at West Virginia or or Tommy Frazier and those Nebraska teams where you'd run that triple uh, option, then you'd hit him with a reverse, or then you'd or you'd drop back and hit one over the top out of the option. Like I always thought that yeah. that was just that was just so much fun to watch because it was such a chess match well, and immediate reaction. Yeah, I mean it, it really it really is, and and you know what's neat about the triple option, and there's in the RPO world now. You know, we're do we're still yeah. running the triple option. Yeah. It's just it's just different way of doing it now. Sure. It has answers very similar to the option. It's just now we're throwing the ball vertically downfield or laterally downfield as opposed to pitching it. Um, but but you know, my dad, so you know, my dad uh, was was Paul Johnson's defensive coordinator at Georgia Tech for his first two two years. You know, they won twenty games in two years and an ACC championship and all that. And I do remember my dad saying, you know, one of the most fun. Uh, times he's had as a coach is sitting up there in the press box while the offense is on the field, watching the other defensive coaches on the other <laughs> sideline, you know, scrambling <laughs> to figure out how to stop a, an eight-yard dive. Uh, you know, so th those are the things that you know that you can appreciate as a triple option. Um, you know, uh, coach from a defensive coordinator standpoint, but uh, you know, we've gone against uh, triple option teams in a number of bowl games, yeah. including when I was here before at South. You know, we played Air Force and. Um, you know, it's always kind of fun. Uh, it's it's more fun in a bowl game to go up against a triple option team because you have time to prepare sure. uh, than it is in the middle of the season, you know. Jags taking on Eastern Michigan this coming Saturday. Tickets still available for the uh, bowl game at Hancock-Whitney. Now, understanding, of course, to our public that a coach is not allowed to name names, okay, as far as recruits, but what would make this a very successful week leading into that game as far as a numbers game, as far as recruiting now according to reports you're up to 17 verbals do you have in mind how many you'd like to sign on wednesday or hope to sign well i think i think there'll be a few more added on um i think we've already you know gotten some of those commitments they, we just haven't you know nobody's publicly announced those things and that's that's exciting as well um 
you know, I think I think when you look at our, our signing class, and, and you'll see some of this more on, on Wednesday when it's announced, you'll see a lot more high school faces this this year. Uh, you saw a little bit more last year than, than the first uh, previous two classes. You know, we felt like we had kind of a, a, a multi-year plan um, when we first got here that we needed – you know, to take a few more players out of the transfer portal to meet some some immediate needs. Um, there were some great pieces to the puzzle, but there probably weren't enough in terms of depth and overall talent. Um, but we knew that we had to be very selective of, of some of the, the high school frames um, that we went and got the first two two and a half years there. And I think we've done that, and now we've we've been a little more selective um, uh, and, and just going a little bit more the high school route. We're still going to, you know, take a, a transfer here, a junior college player here, something like that. Um, but I think going into year four, we felt like we have built this thing into uh, a position that some of our younger players are, are have developed here and, and are really talented uh, heading into the 2024 season after this bowl game. So a uh, little bit, little bit more on the high school uh, side as, as we, as we go moving forward. Okay. Help me understand this because this goes back a long way when I used to interview coaches at high school games and they weren't allowed, actually, actually they weren't allowed to even be interviewed after a while. So in social media with everybody knowing exactly what's going on and pushing kids here and there, when a kid commits, why is the head coach not allowed to talk about it until he officially signs? Um, you know, I, I, I don't. I, I don't want to sit there and say that I was in the room right when all these decisions were made with the NCAA on, on on what we can and can't do. There are some rules that that I understand and agree with, and other ones that you know that um, uh, are, are a little, little harder to, to to recognize. I think I think with this rule, um, if you were allowed to announce someone's name, right, it, it allows you to do a lot more than just that. Right, so you know where where does that stop? If you're because now if he's not if he's committed but he hasn't signed, which means that there's nothing binding between you and the the university and that young man, that that prospective student athlete. You know, could we could we announce it on a billboard? Right? Could we put it on TV? Could we uh, get an ad campaign going, knowing that we're actually still recruiting this young man, but he's actually you know we're saying he's committed to us. So I think. You know that that's the problem, right? With with the coaching profession, um, you know, I don't know what's the what the adage is. There, the old adage, right? You you bring a knife, I bring a gun, right? We're always going to <laughs> elevate the situation in recruiting, um, and so that's the that's probably um, uh, that's probably a, a good uh, uh, rule to have in place. All right, so uh, yeah, now I'm thinking like you could play the role of Sean Connery in The Untouchables, man. You you bring a knife, we we bring a gun. <laughs> you, you put one of mine in the hospital, uh, I'll put one of yours in the morgue. Favorites, right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so if Vegas were putting odds on it, uh, what are the chances that one or more of your guys either goes to the wrong sideline or the wrong locker room for this game? <laughs> or my or myself. Or you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know that's a that's interesting. We've we've already had multiple conversations about where our support staff and our strength staff is going to align themselves so that we can funnel our guys to the visiting team yeah. locker room just in case. <laughs> so I feel like we've hedged our bets a little bit on that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you get in a routine, right, of year after year, you're, you're doing the same things inside Hancock-Whitney Stadium. So um, I think this will be a good thing um, uh, for, for, for our guys. Um, you know, it is, a, it is a, a bowl game in our hometown, um, but there are enough differences that I think our players recognize, you know, hey, 
Um, we, we're we're uh, here to win a bowl game, and this is a neutral site uh, opportunity to a degree, right? Sure. Uh, and so and so that's something that that I think I'm I'm looking forward to the change because I think it it jolts in our guys' mind, you know, when we step out there on game day that hey man, some somebody else is on our sideline and and we need to do something about that. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. There is a list of activities that the uh, bowl committee has come up with. Assuming that many of your players have actually, because of being here, have done some of these things, are you going to part? Is your team going to participate? For instance, they were supposedly going to go to Dolphin Island or maybe to the battleship. Is your team going to participate as if this was an away game? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, the Mobile, um, and I, 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 I argue this with Mobilians all the time. I don't think, I don't think Mobilians know what we have in this community. Sometimes, you know, we, we get so bogged down, right, in, in the day-to-day operation of our lives that, you know, if we would just sit there and, and plan a staycation, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think you would, you would experience a lot more of, of what Mobile has to offer, and so that's what I'm excited for for our players and our coaches and their, their families. Um, I'm not from here. Right. So I, you know, I grew up in, in college football programs and college football towns all over the country. So when I moved to mobile, um, I, you know, I was excited to explore a little bit of a, a city vibe and a, and a little bit of a, um, you know, a little bit of a college campus vibe over here and, and all the history and tradition and Mardi Gras and has to offer. I, I fell in love with Mobile when I moved here. This this is my favorite town I've ever lived. And so I, I love experiencing Mobile in different ways. And I think this bowl game is going to give not only our players um, and, and coaches a chance to do that, but, but I would encourage our fans, you know, to to get downtown and, and let's go explore a little bit of what, what our great city has to offer. Well, Kane, we can't thank you enough, man. Uh, wish you the best of luck. Looking forward to you busting out the triple option and the run and shoot all in the same <laughs> game. Should be a lot of fun. Well, I, as as long as Coach Creighton's on the phone here, I, I hope uh, I hope he's looking forward to it too. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll we're excited to uh, to represent our city well, and and uh, and certainly uh, excited to, to to see our fans and and people in this community show up inside uh, Hancock Whitney Stadium on Saturday. Hey, man! Thanks for the time. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family, and best of luck. We'll be in touch. Okay. All right. Merry Christmas, Jay's up, Elio. That's uh, Kane Womack, ladies and gentlemen. All right. When we come back, I know it's the moment you've been waiting for. You've been without it for a couple days. Your daily dose of fried deliciousness is back. We'll also talk to Matt Cohen in hour number three on Auburn. Ross Jackson uh, at 8.30 on the Saints win. And the Falcons lost to the Carolina Panthers in the NFC South on the last second play. Back after this. Hey, everybody, this is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Chick fil A. I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick fil A. All right, boys and girls, here we go. What you got for the fine folks of the listening audience today? Yum, 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 yum. It's coming up. All right, this has to do. Wait, wait, what? Do that again? Yum, yum, yum. 
some Chick-fil-A. What? Yeah. All right. Hit us up. You know what I did on Saturday, despite the kind of nasty weather? I went and got myself a lemonade uh, frosty. How about them apples? 7 o'clock in the morning. All right. Here's your question. They start them at 7 a.m.? They're open, I think, as early as 6. No, but you got a what? Yeah, I walked in there and got my lemonade. It was around 10 of 7. I did not know they did that. They that did early. that, How yeah. About that? All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right, no problem. So Auburn has now won 49 straight non-conference games at Neville Arena. 40, keep, wrap your head around that. 49 straight non-conference wins at home after the win yesterday. Name the last team that defeated Auburn on the Auburn campus. Ooh. And it goes back a few years. My hair was a little bit darker, but not much. No. <laughs> it actually goes back to 2016. I'll give a hint, 2016. All right, if you guys know the answer, hit us up, 694-1055. How old were you when you get, when you first started getting gray hair? Because I, oh, like, I so in my, in my memories, like on in yeah. Facebook and stuff, these memories pop up of us doing broadcasting yeah. at like 10, 12 years. You, you had gray hair. I mean, I don't I know did. if I've ever known you not to have some sort of gray hair. Think I should darken it when I get out and get my hair cut? Have no. them darken it? No, you, you got to start earlier. Don't do it at all. Because see, now if you were to do it, people were like, "Wait, yeah, what are you doing?" Exactly. So I got I got white hair. I got white hairs. I'm I'm you starting do? to get. Oh yeah. I don't see any. Well, because you know you can't. You're blind, I guess. But so when did you start having white I hair? I have no idea, Mark. I couldn't tell you. It's been a while. True. Mm. All right. Now my, mine's mine's growing at a rapid pace. Is that why I you think get it's your because I work so with you short to get rid of the white? The, it used hair. to be. It used to be. Now I just don't want to deal with it. Now I've been told I, I get a cut too short. Everybody always asks well, me. I told you everybody that. Everybody always asks me if I'm in the military, and I'm like, "Do you see this gut? Well, I, do I, I look like I've, I'm in the military?" But I've told you that. So your kids do too, right? Oh, your sons, all the time. Your sons, my three sons. Yeah. You never saw that sons. TV show, did you? No. No, but we don't need to start any, any rumors by, okay, you no calling, by you calling my kids your three sons. I don't know if we need to start that rumor. No, we won't do that. No, no, nothing yet. It looks like someone here is going to get the uh, the Chick-fil-A because uh, I gave no one the is. Year. I gave the year 2016. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some people just don't want to work hard on a Monday, man. It's uh, a big, it's a big I would, day. I would take the Chick-fil-A. Did you, did you watch <laughs> much of the actual game of the uh, Auburn game? Uh, and and I only asked that from, uh, did you see Bronny play much? I saw his first basket, but he didn't. No, I didn't see a whole lot because I was going back and forth between that and the Saints game. Right. Uh, That's what I was and doing. And then I, was, I actually found myself watching a little bit more of the USC-Auburn game, at least the first half, and then Auburn started to separate themselves a little bit. So I kind of stayed with the Saints I game a little bit more. I just lucked out when, I, when Barkley came on. I just yeah. happened to tune in when Barkley came on, and, and then I just forgot about the game and just listened to him. Yeah. He's, a, he's all over the place. Last night, uh, I, I guess it was the NBA Network. And they had a, a feature, uh, Shaq's rookie year. And again, guess who was being quoted throughout? Charles Barkley. Yeah, he's uh, he's very good. He's all over the place. Yeah, he's uh, he 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 hit all the major talking points. He talked Auburn football, Nick Saban. Um, he recruited for Auburn. He talked about how how great it was to see Bronny James back on the court. He had a great uh, Bo Jackson story. Uh, no, I mean he he. He tried to get Jay Williams to go out with him that night in Auburn. He mentioned uh, his his favorite spot in Auburn. I mean, he he just he's just a natural. It's uh it's just easy. It's just very easy okay, for him. Okay, you guys, uh, we can switch gears because before we leave this segment, you were talking about Taylor Swift. 
Oh, yeah, Taylor Swift dropping an F-bomb. Like, you couldn't hear her, but clearly she had. Uh, you because? Could, you could Because Travis Kelsey got absolutely mauled. And I use mauled in quotes because he flopped like like nobody's business. So let But me, she is now officially an NFL fan. She was up in arms. She was mad. Was she more upset with that call or was she more upset than Mahomes does when uh, when Tony dropped the pass? Because again, Mahomes was caught on the sideline showing disgust when Tony in the clear dropped not only dropped it but kind of deflected it to a Patriot for an interception. I think I'm going to say Tay Tay was more upset. She has emotional connections to Travis Kelsey. That's her man out there being 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 abused. Darius Tony, man. What's the matter with you now, Michael? You going to dump on him this morning? I mean, he's had his moments this year. That's I, the I, third I, game, <laughs> the third game this year where he has become a focal point of controversy. There was the opener, there was last week the offsides, and now this. Yeah, it's not controversy. It's just straight up poor play. And I like Tony as a as a local guy. I want to root for him, but uh, man, we haven't talked about a guy being at the centerpiece of just bad football uh, this many times as a wide receiver. I mean, it's it's getting pretty ridiculous, man. I don't know how Mahomes can continue to trust and go to him. I mean, it's it's bad. He can't catch the ball. He can't be relied on to continuously make plays. Again, for a guy who is one of the more electrifying playmakers in the league with the ball in his hands, he just can't be relied upon right now. It's, so it's unfortunate. So do you think we'd be talking about this as much if the drop didn't turn into an interception? Like it was just one of those wide-open drop through his hands. Or if he was in a local player, but I got to tell you, wonder. Go back to his years at uh, Blunt. He was an electrifying quarterback. I often wonder what would have happened when he went to Florida if they had allowed him to compete for the quarterback position. Because I'm telling you, he was incredible throwing the ball, running the football. And in this day and age of the Jaden Daniels type of quarterbacks and, and, and quarterbacks who can not only run but you know throw well, I wonder if his career just would have just been totally different had well it would have been had they allowed him to stay a quarterback if that had would have evolved into an NFL career and for the record I think Taylor Swift was genuinely mad Patrick Mahomes just kind of looked like he was sulking like he was mad but it was just like oh woe is me well it's well kind of is him Tay Tay was like ready to fight ready to brawl he's maybe the most talented quarterback of all time and is surrounded by a joke of a receiving core hmm. it's unfortunate he had his moments, though. I mean, he had some. Uh, you know, he did he throw some really a bad good pick. Ones. He threw a bad pick yesterday, though. Yeah, he had two interceptions. Now One again, you're playing play. the Patriots, so you're going to win anyway. All right, Patriots won last week. Take it easy. Wait a minute. You really thought they had a chance yesterday? Seriously? Ah. Uh, well, well, you're the one always saying on any given Sunday. That wasn't the given Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was not a given Sunday. I'm sorry. <laughs> they were winning ten to seven. So is he? By now the way, Bailey Zappi is good. This kid slings it around the yard. I'm, right. I'm kind of in love with Bailey Zappi. Yeah, I thought you'd be. He's he's good. All right, that's because you met him. So is Belichick headed to Los Angeles? Sure. I don't know. All right, I, I know where we're headed. Build around Zappi. We're we're headed for a break. But that's when we come Zappi. back, we're going to talk some Auburn. Matt Cohen's going to join us. My colleague over at AL.com, Ross Jackson, in this hour. My playoff-bound Saints making a move. 
it helps when you got a team like the Falcons in the uh, in the division. Congrats to Austin winning the Chick Fil A. By the way. Oh, nice job, Austin. Who's the uh, what was the answer? Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. So Austin, you got a little Chick Fil A compliments at WNSP. All right, back after this. <laughs> This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. 8.05, here we are, hour number three on this mo- this glorious Monday. How about that, Lee? Glorious. It is, and we're just one week away from Christmas morning. Think about that. I will. Think about it. I'm thinking about it. Hang on, right. hang on, hang on. Give me a second. Oh, yeah. All right, you got I, it. I, I, thought, I thought about it. All right, let's, uh, let's check in with Matt Cohen, AL.com. He covers Auburn. He was one of the many guest celebrities at yesterday's Southern Cal-Auburn game, along with Barkley and Bronny's mom and Kyle Corver and whoever else. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Were you stargazing yesterday? You know, I've never been put in a sentence with Kyle Corver before. I don't think that was on my bingo cards this morning. <laughs> Well, you you post or somebody posted it. I'm like, okay, who remembers Kyle Corver? Didn't he didn't he play at the? Uh, didn't he play at Creighton? Oh gosh, uh, where did he play? I'm not sure. Um, I have to look to uh, to uh, look that one up. I thought that was I thought it was funny also the way that that Auburn posted about him because obviously there was so much talk about a different former Cleveland Cavaliers player that might make an appearance in that game who was not there. Um, but then to have at least there was a member of the 2017 through 19 Cleveland Cavaliers who made an appearance. Uh, good news. Uh, I found this search engine on the Internet, and it occurred to me that I used it. And a, sure enough, Creighton. There you go, 99-2000. How about that as a freshman right there? <laughs> I only yeah. brought that up because of the Alabama-Creighton game. All right, your, your thoughts on the, the game the game itself and the way I, – I still can't get over. They lost to App State and what they've done to Indiana and Southern Cal in subsequent games. Yeah, I mean, Auburn's average margin of victory right now is 21.5 points. They, I mean, they've been throttling teams. And, like, the Appalachian State loss, I think, is going to end up being a net good for Auburn. And I say that, obviously, Appalachian State, that's not a basketball powerhouse. Technically speaking, right now, that is actually a quad one loss for Auburn because the App State's in the top, five, in the top 75 of the net. Um, and App State might go on and, and, and win the Sun Belt. But all, all that said is the way Auburn's responded to that loss has been phenomenal. I mean, they have blown out three really good teams since then with Indiana, UNC, Asheville, and USC. Um, and yesterday against USC, Auburn really made a, like, a full-on statement on national television. And, I mean, I think you've seen so much of how Auburn can be balanced in that win. You saw Auburn play good defense in that win. You saw what the offense can be. I mean, Auburn has played really beautiful basketball the last really week and a half since losing to App State. And I think that loss actually, because of how well they played, because of how they responded to it, may end up being actually good for them. Does Aiden Holloway have permission to shoot anywhere inside the midcourt stripe? 
I think he has permission to shoot from further than that. <laughs> the, I mean, we get the pleasure of watching him and practice every day. He is possibly the most talented shooter I've ever watched, I think. I mean, he has unbelievable, right? He just casually pulled up in the logo yesterday. I mean, who, who does that? <laughs> like, he is so talented. And I think also the fact that you now had all those NBA scouts in the building yesterday, there, there were more NBA scouts there than credential media there. And there was a lot of media there. Um, and all those NBA scouts that were there to see Isaiah Collier and Boogie Ellis and Ronnie James, they saw Aiden Holloway as a pretty good shooter, too. Um, so I, I, I think he made a statement of more than just, you know, reporters he told the nba something too so how much were tickets going for oh gosh i think the morning of they were at least somewhere around like you know 80 90 100 dollars as the, the as the cheapest ticket I, I i think i think bruce 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 posted earlier in the week was one of the hottest tickets for a non-conference game uh in neville arena that's probably true i don't have the exact data to back that up but i i don't see how that's wrong um and i thought it was really cool to see all the students that were you know came back over over winter break yeah lined up hours before tip off i mean that's imagine that at auburn a a decade ago i mean i thought that would not have happened (laughs) no let me ask you this Uh, speculating hypothetically is this auburn basketball team good enough to contend for top honors in the sec this year do you think oh yeah i mean i and i think there was a stat that i found yesterday that really i think cements that and it's there are there are only four teams in the country that are both top 15 nationally in both offensive and defensive efficiency rating three of those teams are in the top five arizona yukon and purdue the other one's auburn and that's a really notable stat i mean this team is balanced it's great on both ends of the floor they don't really have any glaring weakness other than the propensity to get in foul trouble um they have a lot of guys that can be top options on a given night. They, they can win different ways. I don't know if it's the best team in the SEC. Tennessee is really talented. Arkansas has got a lot of talent. They've got to figure some things out. But, but Kentucky is really talented. But there's no reason why, it, why Auburn cannot be right up there with them and, and, and be contending for a conference championship right down to the wire. Matt Cohen's our guest here on WNSP. You can follow him on X, Twitter, whatever, at Matt underscore Cohen underscore. And I only bring this up because – I think we can clearly say that you went viral yesterday for your video of, of aforementioned students lining up, but maybe not for all the right reasons there. Yahoo Sports got a, got, a, got a hold of your tweet and retweeted it or reposted it or whatever. But, man, people got really upset with those folks. Yeah, so I think what I tweeted was that I just was impressed with the students right. that came back at 9.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning on break. What Yahoo tweeted was that it was like everyone's there for Bronny James. No, that's not what they were there for. I don't think anyone would say that. Um, and, I, and I think all the fans that would like, obviously, yes, like, you know, Bronny James is a big name, but there's other big names on USD too. USD's, a, you know, got a lot of talent on that team. That was a, that, that was Auburn's biggest non-conference home game. People were going to show up for that. I don't think that was just people being like, oh, like, Bronny's going to be there. We're going to line up hours ahead of time to see Bronny James. That's that's not why they were there. Like I think you know, Bronny could have been a thousand miles away, and the line would have been the same. Um, and, and a lot of fans really got set up about it because they thought that you know, basically like Yahoo, and then I think Sports Center and Bleacher Report posted the same thing. CBS Sports did also uh, on Instagram posted something to the effect basically of like, oh, Auburn doesn't have basketball fans; they're just all here for like the Bronny effect. And and that's 
that bother people because I think that's there's really kind of you know getting at you know discrediting what Bruce Pearl has built here in terms of a fan base you know as I said earlier you don't get people lining up you know hours ahead of a game I know a decade at Auburn people have camped out in recent years for this but for, for Kentucky games college game day has been to Auburn twice for basketball things have changed here in a, in a, in a big way um, and, and I think that you know obviously yes there are the big names on USC but but I, I also definitely understand why people were upset about that because it was really just dis, discrediting what the fan base has built for basketball it's such a predominant football school Matt well said since I've been to some of the uh, home games and I've seen streams of uh, uh, kids lined up like almost reminded me of Cameron Arena, you know, with Duke. But anyway, yeah. I want to change because I've got a limited time now about the press conference Hugh Freeze had. Your thoughts on the quarterback position? I think he was quoted as saying, I'm staying with Peyton Thorne. That's my quarterback. And is Robbie Ashford leaving? Yeah, so Robbie Ashford is, is 100% out the door. He's in the transfer portal officially. Um, and Peyton Thorne is the guy. And, and honestly, I, I think that's the right choice. And, and, and they're pursuing other options to help him be successful instead of getting a different quarterback to just plug and play. I, I think Peyton wasn't the, you know, analytically, Peyton Thorne's definitely not the problem last year. It was the inability to block for him and no one to throw to. You get him those two solutions, which they don't have anyone really to block for him fixed, but, but the, the receiver problem definitely fixed and you have to hope he can take a step forward it's a big gamble all right recruiting uh signing day wednesday what are you anticipating numbers wise do you see anything big happening in the next two days for auburn as they approach early signing day i'm not sure i expect any like significant surprises um but i, I would say the, the majority of what auburn already has committed will probably sign i, I think they want to get those guys on campus as quickly as possible for spring ball um Auburn's pursuing a couple of flip targets from what I hear, at least in excluding Ryan Williams, kind of some of the other guys that they're looking at, at, at flipping. I haven't heard anything that sounds like it's definitely going to happen by Wednesday, but there's a possibility looking at guys like uh, LJ McRae and, uh, and uh, KJ Bolden, which are Florida and Florida State commits, respectively. So how many, how number-wise, what are they looking to sign? They've got 20 in the class right now. I'm not sure if all 20 will sign, but definitely most of them, I think, are expected to sign. So probably at least somewhere in the 15 to 20 range, I'm expecting. Did you? Did they hit their, uh, what they're called, positions that, you know, everything they needed, in a sense? I think other than offensive line, they really hit everything. And, and, and they're fine on the offensive line for next year. It's really 2025 where they've got a problem on the offensive line. But what they did a great job was, was they hit wide receiver in a big way. It's one of the best wide receiver classes ever beyond just Auburn, just in general. It's one of the best best ever receiver classes. Did a really good job kind of getting some secondary players, some pat, some some upfront defensive linemen, which they needed. It, it, the offensive line is really kind of the glaring weakness, but other than that, I think it's a really well-put-together class and a very talented class, which I think is more important. All right, uh, the viral Matt Cohen, ladies and gentlemen. How can uh, how can people continue to follow your coverage of all things Auburn, sir? Yeah, I'm at Matt underscore Cohen underscore on whatever you said, X or Twitter or whatever, yeah. whatever that app's called now, and then over on uh, the Auburn Tigers section of AL.com. Yep, all right, man. Well, you got to top it. Next time we talk to you, I want 100K. Let's go. Get it done. Oh, boy. <laughs> I can work on that. All right, man. Have a good one. We'll be in touch. Thanks. You too. Thanks. Bye. All right. Scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, open segment. You guys can jump in. Saints win. Falcons lose. Auburn wins. Charles Barkley wins. Alabama loses. Some good, some bad. The good, the bad, the ugly.
Derrick Henry, who wants him? Somebody's going to have to take him. And come block for Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill. What about Jameis Winston and his uh, big uh, his big speech to get the team up for the mighty Giants? We'll explain what that was, too. That dude is the highest-paid cheerleader in the league. It's the opening kickoff. Plenty left. Stay with us. It's Monday. This is Chris Samuels. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Roll Tide. And God bless. Uh, obviously, uh, Aiden and Trey both being you know, freshman and sophomore, knew Isaiah going up through the AAU ball and understood how, how special he was. And they also see where he's ranked on draft boards and things like that. And they, they, uh, they always want to play well, but um, it's the youngest position on our team. And right now we're just getting incredible point guard play. They've worked hard defensively to not get lined up. And, um, you know, when you've got rim protectors back there like Jalen Williams, Dylan Cardwell, Janai Broom, uh, the physicality of a Chris Moore, the length of a Chad Baker, um, the quickness and speed of Denver and KD. Yeah, uh, so that's Bruce Pearl. There's a lot to unpack there. But uh, someone asked me if, if I, when I coach, if I sweat through as many shirts as he does. My reply is either a man has a perspiration problem or a deodorant issue. Either way, uh, it'll never be as bad as when he was at Tennessee and used to wear that bright orange blazer. You remember that, that game? He sweat through the blazer. There were sweat stains in the blazer. But the man can coach. There's a lot of excitement around that program. Um, He's everything that they hoped he would have been when they hired him. Okay, you mentioned, though, that did you sweat as much? No. 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 You know who sweat quite a bit? And, and again— <laughs> The perspiration ratings. Here yeah, we go. Kirk Herbstreet, really? in his book, talked about how he perspires on the set, and it, it's become a standard joke, and that during the time after game day and before he does— a game that like that's on the same campus that they'll lower the temperature in their bus to about 62 or 63 what? people have to wear blankets but he perspires so much <laughs> that he has to have it down there but he said in his audition for game day it was a mess as far as the perspiration goes hmm. so to add to that all right, so uh, thank we, you for adding. Yeah, that. I know, I know you wanted to hear about that. It's like Miles Finch and Elf needing a, a car to pick him up at the airport, and it to be exactly seventy-one degrees. That should have been one of our our, uh, our trivia questions. What what per, what temperature? I'm did think, Miles I'm thinking Finch, about that. Yeah, no, okay. That, no, hang on to that one for right. for later maybe in the we'll, week. Yeah, later maybe in the we'll week. Do that. Okay, yeah. the temperature was what seventy-one degrees. Seventy-one, seventy-one degrees. I will. Miles Finch. We'll see how many people listening now can come up with that yeah. later on in the week. When we I, get the hard, I mean, I asked the hard-hitting questions. The closer we get to the end of the year, the goofier I get. And most people will already say I'm goofy. So we're just, we're, I'm just going to be off the rails. For the so rest are there of the seven year. dwarfs? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else were we going to talk about? Oh, yeah. The, we, we haven't talked about know. that uh, what else? The Hail Mary in a while in that Chicago game. Because I was like, do you really – I know it goes down as a drop. But he didn't actually drop it. I, I don't. I don't know, he man. It hit him it. in the chest. Yeah, he didn't catch it. So what? Yeah. Do you, what would you consider? He didn't I mean, Kadarius Tony dropped that ball. Well, and he deflected it even yeah. worse. Yeah. How did he not drop it? 
with the the guy. The Hail Mary. I don't know. I just felt like he never had control. It was worse than a drop. Sometimes, though, you're surprised, especially on a deflection. I can't speak from experience. I mean, it did land on his chest. How he didn't catch it, I don't know. It's a football. It's 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 <laughs> oblong. You know that. You've heard people say this. Footballs take crazy bounces. It's oblong. <laughs> it's not typical. It bounced on his chest. Have you ever been caught a football? Yes, I've caught a football. Have you? And yes, plenty of times. Have you ever dropped a football? Oh, of course. What about you there, Bronner? No, I always catch it if it hits me in the hand. Uh, that's the that's the rule. That's the uh, that's the rule. If it hits you in the hand, you got to catch yeah, it. Yeah, well, your what's your claim to fame in football? At least yeah. I have one. Yeah, he won the <laughs> newspaper versus. Oh, I got I, the station versus the newspaper. Yeah, he beat the newspaper. I won the Dixie Cup. Oh, we got to get one of those going. What did here. you? Uh, what's your claim to fame? None whatsoever. But if it hits me in the hands, I'm gonna catch it. I'll bet if we went out here and marked through the ball to you twenty oh, times I'd have better on hands. Hallett Street, I'd that have you better would drop hands one than anyone in this building. I guarantee you that. All right, so we went from uh, a competition between the morning show and the afternoon show, which got tied at one one. We never played the tiebreaker. To now, Corey just, got sick. Now we're just gonna now we're just gonna go at each other here. We're just gonna have a we're gonna go out there on Dolphin and go out there street and throw throw footballs at each other. I'd be hauling in one handers. It'd be crazy, Lee. Your your jaw would be on the floor. How about that? Would I have to go in to see Dr. Mullen? Part of me thinks you want to, so you yeah, get the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. For jaw surgery or yeah. something. For jaw surgery. Why would, would, why would I be aghast that if you missed a throw on Hallett Street, how far away would you be from Mark? Like, how many yards? Not very if I'm throwing it. Yeah, I mean, Mark. Yeah, this is all dependent on Mark. I'm Drew Brees, man. I'll, 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 I'll make it 40? rain out here. It's surgical with this thing. 40 yards? Can you go 40? That's a lot. With what? A legit, like, NFL size ball? Yeah, 40 yards. Uh, I'd have serious rotator cuff <laughs> issues after. All right, let's go back to 20. Maybe, maybe like a Nerf ball. 20. Nerf, I can I can let that baby fly. 75 right. yards. Uh, 20 yards with an NFL. I can't remember the last time I actually gripped an NFL like football. A, like a real Duke. Yeah, those like things are hard. you never go out. Ooh, those K2s. Remember those K2s growing up? I'd throw those a mile. You never go out with the kids and just fling the football around anymore? Not exactly. anymore. Okay. Uh... I mean, they're bringing a football tomorrow, Lee. We'll toss it around. Toss the old pigskin. Sure, why not? I'm trying to think if I even have one. I was in the watching house. Wedding Crashers last night. I oh, caught some no, of it. No, no, and no, that no. football scene is one of the funniest <laughs> scenes in cinematic history. Was uh, was uh, Vaughn on concussion protocol? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red seven, red seven. I don't know. What it, just go stand over there. I can. I was all state. I can make it rain out here. What are we doing next? We're talking Saints. Saints. Ross Jackson next right here on Sports Station. Stay with us. All right, 832. Thanks for hanging with us on this Monday edition. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Uh, continue with your comments. The app at WNSP.com. Uh, we're getting ready to uh, talk to Ross Jackson here. We'll, we'll talk some Saints as they uh, took care of Tommy Cutlets. Yeah, they cut him up pretty good with the seven sacks. And, uh, you know, there was a lot. I'll tell you, from the broadcasting standpoint, it was all about DeVito starting out in that game. But when the game got really uh, to the fourth quarter, it was more about the Saints defense and about Carr having one of his better games. And let's not leave out Alvin Kamara. I think in each of his years now, Mark, he has gone over a thousand yards 
uh, passing and receiving as a running back, and he's among the all-time leaders in that category, something like eight or nine straight years in which he has done that. So it was a great performance by the Saints, really one of their better performances, and I'm talking about all facets. There have been a couple this year, but there's a couple of duds along the way also. But this is one of those games where everything seemed to click. Now, they didn't really get out to that big lead until later in the game on the past. It was a Jawan Johnson that uh, Carr threw, but uh, he he was uh, right on target. Now, they weren't long passes, a lot of them, but a lot of them were short passes. But, Mike, wasn't he like 11 for 12 early on and finished like only four incompletions? Yeah, I mean, he was very efficient, but, I mean, so was, so was DeVito. I mean, he was like, he had a high percentage, but he had only thrown for like 26 now, yards or something Now, stupid. do you think when DeVito, remember when he went out he had to go to the uh, yeah. protocol. That, I think, precipitated a little scuffle out there. I I looked at it two or three times afterwards in replay. I didn't think that warranted a scuffle. I, I no. really didn't think it was that bad. And I thought uh, the the Saints actually got hosed on a third down where they called – they called uh, – did they call roughing on the receiver when uh, Taylor hit him? I tell you what, we'll uh, we'll get the latest from Ross Jackson. Why don't we do that? I'm oh, it's good to have him back with us from uh, Podcast Saints and everything else Saints. Ross, welcome to the show. Good. I know this is a different hour for you to come on with us, so we, we let you sleep in today. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate it. Actually, it worked out great. Uh, but you know, it's nice. I, I'm sorry that I had to, uh, to to make y'all wait an extra hour to actually talk about a a pretty good victory for the Saints. Well, it's a good way up. for our show to wind up. Mark's I haven't seen Mark this happy in quite some time. Look, so <laughs> as a look as a New Orleans as a New Orleans native, and you understand this, it, yep. it it warms my heart that they win. Sure, but the fact that the Falcons lost to the Panthers. I think I'm more happy about that than I am the Saints win. Yeah, and and in embarrassing fashion. Yes, at that. I mean, yes, to drop of course. It nine to seven to a one and twelve. Now a two and twelve. Yes, team. that's a Preach. tough go for Atlanta. Preach. Okay. Hard to feel bad for them though. Russ, I know if the Saints obviously win out, they'll they'll win the division. Okay, they still have Tampa left. They have Atlanta. And they have the Rams Thursday. But I'm curious, do they still have a chance to be a wild card team? They do, yeah, and a lot of that starts with this Sunday, or excuse me, this Thursday's matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. So the Saints now effectively have two paths to the playoffs here, and, and, and beating the Rams would be a big part of it. They and the Rams right now tied at seven and seven. They're kind of in a gridlock for the uh, seventh seed in the NFC. The Seahawks can get in that conversation as well, but they're going to have a hard time getting there with the, the Philadelphia Eagles tonight. Although we'll see what happens with Jalen Hurts, which could make a big, big difference for them. So there could be three teams kind of in conversation or two teams in addition to the same thing conversation for that wild card spot and then of course they're also still in the battle for the nfc south sitting tied with the tampa bay buccaneers with still a game to play against them later on so really these last three games the rams the bucks and the saints this won't be a situation that we've seen for the saints in the past where they're sitting at home waiting for somebody else to win to get their way in they're going to go against their three most immediate contenders for that for one of those playoff spots themselves all right, so uh, take me back. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to harp on the negative too much, but I, mm-hmm. that Alante Taylor penalty on that third down, I thought was complete and utter BS. Like I just, I just yeah. don't get it. 
Yeah, that was one of those ones where he really got flagged for hitting too hard. Yes! Uh, more, than, <laughs> more than it was, you know, anything else, which I think is a little ridiculous. It, it is the NFL, um, after all. And then you compare that to the later hit on Tommy DeVito, which I think was a little bit more questionable, uh, even though, you know, look, you, you're a quarterback that's got a lot of grass to start your slide. Slide, dude, go down. Like, right. you know you're not built for these hits. Uh, so I do think that there's a little bit of sort of the ownership of that coming down to the game of football. But I would say the same thing for the hit that Alante Taylor had uh, that to me was not, you know, a, a, a flaggable offense. His head was down. Uh, the side of his neck kind of caught the helmet of yeah. uh, the receiver, but that's about it. Uh, I thought that was probably one of the worst flags that we've seen so far this year. But it's like this has been NFL officiating season, right? This has been the conversation about NFL officiating uh, all year long, and it just continues with that hit, unfortunately. All right. So let me, because I got to, I got to be honest, I wasn't all that excited when the game started because the first offensive possession and Alvin Kamara's not out there. So I'm like, I'm, I already know Alave's out. I know you're missing a right tackle. Like, what's going on? What did, was there ever any explanation? Because obviously he got in the game and, and and had a pretty good game, but nowhere to be found on that first possession. Yeah, nowhere to be found there. And I think a little bit of that is that, like, look, when these teams script their first 15 plays they tend to script them by doing things that the other team might not necessarily expect them to do. So I think that might've been a little bit of a cart before the horse trying to be smarter. You know, trying to play smarter kind of thing gotcha. um, that didn't really work out for them. It was a disappointing opening drive, but the defense and, and particularly to Mario Davis, his first 11 plays were outstanding. And so it kind of gave them the freedom to be able to do that. Saints still no opening drive touchdown so far this year, but obviously every game is more than just its opening drive, but you'd like to see them be able to come together before the season's over and put one of those together in terms of a touchdown drive in the opening drive. Ross Jackson joining us from Saints Podcast. So the defense, I want you to talk about the defense and what triggered this seventh sack, uh, let's say, uh, attack by the Saints that they were able to get to uh, DeVito. And even the ones they didn't sack him at, they were putting so much pressure on him. Why haven't we seen more of that this year? Yeah, I think that, look, it's uh, just one of those deals where they got a, an offensive line that they had a good game plan against, and, and it worked out. And I think one of the things that you've seen them struggle with so far this season has been, A, tackling, but B, lane integrity. And so they did a really good job in both areas of that. Demario Davis really got it started off. His first 11 plays, he had four combined tackles, two three of which were solo. He had a QB hit. He had a sack himself, as well as a tackle for a loss. He kind of set the tone, and then the team was kind of able to continue to build off of that. And then you saw Tano Passanio with a great game, uh, rookie Brian Brzee with a pair of sacks as well. So I think that what you saw was just this team finally being able to put together a pass rush plan that worked and that they were able to maintain and that they were able to execute. So I think a lot of it came down to execution. Some of it comes down to how bad that New York Giants offensive line is as well. But we've seen the Saints go up against injured and underperforming, underwhelming offensive lines this season and not be able to put together a game like they did this week. This week they got it done. There is, uh, as far as these Thursday night games, it's rare when you get a really good game. And I really haven't mm -hmm. studied the, the way the teams are set up. But it seems like the Rams have a big advantage. They played at home yesterday, so they get to stay home on the short week while the Saints – obviously have to travel what do you expect this coming thursday night yeah i think the thing that you're looking for is uh the the passing attack of the los angeles rams and and, and the good news is that where the rams are strong where the saints would have to counter they're pretty strong too right their secondary has been fantastic so far this year we saw that again last week but puka nakua as well as uh cooper cup those two wide receivers over in uh los angeles 
with Matthew Stafford throwing the ball, they have been outstanding uh, all season, especially Puka Nakua while Cooper Cup was dealing with his injury. So you're looking at the passing attack over on that side. You're looking for a pretty conservative defensive uh, kind of, you know, drop eight, rush four kind of approach uh, over on the defensive side when it comes to the, the Rams, which could actually aid the Saints in terms of their ability to run the ball, which has been a big emphasis for them here recently. So there are some things where the Saints might be able to come out and be able to get some things done, but it's always tough going up against the home team that's coming off of a win that's staying at home for a Thursday night game, even though, as we know, SoFi Stadium very rarely feels like a home game for the home team, um, the way that Los Angeles is kind of filled with transplants and fans from other from other, uh, from other fan bases and things like that. So that's kind of what I'm looking for, but it's going to be interesting to see exactly how this uh, matchup goes and, and maybe if the Saints get healthier too because they didn't get Chris Olave back for this past week, but maybe they get him back for Thursday. Uh, I, for those that don't know, the press box years ago was kind of mid-level, right? They got rid of it, put the box suite in, they pushed you guys all the way up to the to the to the rafters, like to the very top. With yeah. that said, could you pick out Tommy DeVito's agent from up there as soon as he walked out on the field? You know what? This is gonna sound like this is gonna sound like an insult. It's really not. I looked. I couldn't pick him out from up there. I did find something big bright and green in the sand <laughs> but it turned out to be somebody in a uh, like a santa claus grinch costume nice because <laughs> i saw it i was like oh that must be him and then i grabbed my binoculars cause, as you mentioned like you're up above the 600 level you got to have the binoculars up there so i grab my binoculars i zoom in and it's the freaking grinch yeah out of nowhere and so that's not me trying to insult his outfit or anything but i did look for him but he might have actually been sitting underneath where we were Ross, uh, let's let's look around the NFL. Some of the things uh, that caught your attention yesterday. To me, it was Buffalo beating Dallas, leaving yeah. uh, you know Dallas at, like uh, ten and four now. You got the Eagles playing tonight. Uh, Jalen Hurts uh, is he's he's questionable for tonight's game. Some of the things that caught your attention uh, what, as we come down the uh, the last three games. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was the the that Bills win for the uh, well, for for Buffalo was huge. I mean, that's a that's a big time sort of you know playoff. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, playoff implication type of a win for them, and you know, kind of shows a little bit more of that weakness of the Dallas Cowboys. Who are you know around this time of year is where usually you start to ask all your questions about Mike McCarthy teams, right? Are they going to be able to make it in the playoffs? Things like that. So I think that that was a big one for me. Uh, and then the other thing that I was you know just kind of watching out for was throughout the NFL or throughout the NFC South. And so we talked about the Atlanta-Carolina game, which was a bit of a debacle for Atlanta. But, look, Tampa looked really, really good in their game up against Green Bay. Baker Mayfield has played pretty, you know, subpar to par over the course of the past three or four games and then just showed up against Green Bay. Um, you know, the Rams, the, the next opponent for the New Orleans Saints, they were taking on the uh, Washington Commanders. They had themselves a little outpouring of offense over there as well. So I think at this point what you're seeing is kind of the bell curve resurface. You're seeing offenses come back as defenses are getting a little bit more banged up, getting a little bit more tired, the inability to last, outlast games, things like that. So I think that what you're seeing across the NFL right now is a little bit more of the excitement of offenses showing up, but oftentimes that, that's going to lead to more lopsided victories, and I think you kind of saw that trend outside of Atlanta this weekend. All right, Ross, we have a, uh, kind of an informal poll here. Uh, who, yeah. was, who was more angry, Patrick Mahomes at Kadarius Tony's drop, which resulted in an interception, or Taylor Swift for the uh, for the hit on Travis Kelsey in the end zone. Oh, 
I'm going Taylor. Because Patrick, me too. for me, Patrick Mahomes, yeah, because for me, like, the Patrick Mahomes thing was residual, right? He was still angry from last week with the offside <laughs> call that also involved Kadarius Tony. So it was a little bit of, like, a spillover compound kind of thing. Taylor's was just all emotion in one moment. So I'm going to give that one to her because I think this is two rivaled one another. And to me, Patrick's was kind of a build over the course of a very busy week of complaining. All right, coaching. Uh, Chargers uh, fire their head coach. Who, yep. who gets the next axe? In the NFL. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the one that you're kind of watching right now is uh, is Washington right now with, with Ron Rivera. I don't know that we'll see another in-season departure. Maybe I'm wrong there. Uh, but at this point, I would expect sort of, you know, a busy, what do they call it, Black Monday. Um, I would expect a busy Black Monday coming up uh, after week 18 at the beginning of January there. But Ron Rivera is definitely one to watch. Dennis Allen was pretty high on the list when it came to some of the Vegas odds and stuff like that. I don't see that happening uh, regardless of how this season ends up. So I think Ron Rivera is one. The Bill Belichick conversation is really interesting. What's going to happen with him in New England in terms of his future and all. But uh, I think Riverboat Ron is the one that I'm really watching for here um, as they, as we continue to move forward here throughout the season. We also talked about about Derrick Henry, nine yards gained in 16 carries. Does he have any tread left, and do you think he'll be in demand if, if they release him, the Titans release him? I think he would get probably another contract, but I would expect it to be a one-year contract. I think we've seen over the course of the past I'll be kind and say two years, but I think you could really make an argument for even three years, his inability to fight through contact in terms of its most consistent level. Even when he was leading the NFL in rushing, you kind of watch the yards after contact start to tick down. I think we've really seen that this year. We saw it last year as well. So I don't think he's the back that is, you know, the guy that is everybody's going to kind of clamor for or go after or anything like that. I think he'll be a nice complimentary between the tackles guy for you as he moves forward. But I think that that offense, and I'm not just saying this because I'm, I'm in uptown New Orleans right now as we speak, but I think that Tennessee Titans offense is going to kind of see itself go the way of the Dallas Cowboys, right? They moved off of Ezekiel Elliott, went to Tony Pollard, and sort of that more finesse style back. I think you'll see them eventually move off of Derrick Henry and move to Tajay Spears to go with that more finesse style back. And so I think you're going to see uh, a pretty similar transition at the position for them uh, in Tennessee as what we saw in Dallas. Always a pleasure, Ross. Really do appreciate it. I uh, hope you and yours have a great weekend and Merry Christmas and all that stuff. We'll be in touch for sure. But tell everybody how they can uh, can read your stuff and get prepared for a quick turnaround for the Saints. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Merry Christmas right back at you. Yeah, you can find the Locked on Saints podcast uh, on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked on Saints. You can find all the written work over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's foundation site covering the Saints. And you can find all of it in one place on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, NOLA, NOLA. Hey, man, have a great week. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. That's Ross Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. One final segment uh, of the day. Uh, we'll give you a sneak peek into tomorrow's show. You guys can jump in at 694-1055. You know the routine. It's the opening kickoff. One final segment right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hi, I'm Bobby Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP FM 105.5. All right, one final segment of the day. You guys can jump in, 694-1055. A reminder, if you missed any of our interviews today, uh, including Zach Olson or uh, Kane Womack, we also talked to, of course, Matt Cohen and uh, Ross Jackson, you can uh, 
find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Just search WNSP now, and uh, you can listen to any of those or any of our shows at your uh, at your content. All right, for tomorrow, we're really going to hit recruiting pretty hard. Auburn, Alabama, the nation. Obviously, we want to break down that Western Kentucky Old Dominion Bowl game, the Toastery Bowl today. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about there, mm-hmm. right? Is that the one where we're eating the Pop-Tart, the big Pop-Tart? Or is that, I'm not sure if is that's that it, is it? The it, live mascot? Yeah, is that the live mascot? or is Well, that the edible mascot, right? Whatever. Not live mascot. Well, if it were live and edible, that would, that would be a whole different conversation. That'd be impressive, wouldn't it? Or disgusting. But That's a one thirty game this afternoon if you're looking for And who's playing in that? Western Kentucky and Old Dominion. Yeah. It's just, it's just not, one bowl game today. Sorry. Not, not, it's just not doing it for me. Uh, we've got the Eagles tonight against Seattle on WNSP. The question is, will Jalen be ready to go tonight? They, they've listed him as questionable. I'm not sure. They said he's sick, but they don't define how sick or what he's suffering from. So, obviously, I think that would make a big difference. Uh, they're on the road against Seattle. They haven't played well lately. They certainly need him back in the lineup and playing like he used to play this year. Yeah, the Pop Tart Bowl is not till uh, Thursday. And that's or, or no, the Thursday after Christmas actually. It's yeah. NC State and Kansas. State. Do we know what flavor the Pop Tart will be? Uh strawberry. Frosted or unfrosted? Frosted. Okay. I well, completely made that up, but Huh. Well, I think that has uh, and it's edible. And it's allegedly like really really like big. Allegedly. I don't. I don't know how I feel about sharing a oversized pop tart with. Oh, my they're just gonna take a bite out of it. Hmm. I'm all in on the edible mascot. You think that's a? You think that's a good thing? I do. You know the Duke's Mayo Bowl has been been hoarding the the gimmicky bowl thing. Yeah. But yeah. I I I think a bite out of the mascot is cooler than getting yeah, mayo it's not poured like, on you. It's not like the players each take a spoonful of Duke's mayo after the game, do they? Ugh. No, it's just the mayo so. gets poured on the coach. I think everyone taking a bite out of the mascot's a lot cooler than that. Better for camaraderie too. Has the uh, dump the water or Gatorade on the coach kind of gone by the wayside? I saw it happen this week. I forget which bowl game I was watching. Yeah, I think it's no, still it, a thing. It happens. Yeah, I don't. The Idaho Potato Bowl, didn't they throw a bunch of potatoes or fries or something at a, on a coach? Didn't they dump fries on them last year or something? Yeah. That was kind of eh. So what's worse? Who's would picking you that up? <laughs> I mean, if, you got, if you're playing in some lousy weather, it's cold, it's freezing, do you want to have a bucket of water dropped on you? I'd rather the water than the mayonnaise. Oh, I don't gosh, need, yeah. I don't need a... I don't need all that mayonnaise on me. No, I mean I like me a little mayonnaise from time to time. I know there's a, there are more people out there than I thought originally that just can't stand the sight of mayonnaise. I can't. I know I'm sitting with two of them. You don't like mayonnaise, do you, Lee? Absolutely not. But <laughs> if they dump fries on you, at least you can maybe pick up one or two and chew on it. I know. I wouldn't mind eating me some fries. Yeah. I'm just saying. Right. Uh, well, you know. I, I the mayonnaise is. Duke's that's a, that's is, no uh, go. Duke's got the twang, so they say. Hmm. All right, so that ought to be uh, so that's thir- uh, today not worth ch- tuning into. I'm not sure. No, that's I not mean, you, unless you're totally bored or have nothing to do, and, and again, it's one of the many, many 42 bowl games that are in existence. Um, I think I'll tune in. Are you one of those guys? As long as football's on, I'm going to watch it. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm not that guy. I really, really used to be. Not as much as I should be. No, you got yourself a girlfriend. It's the holidays. You're, yeah. le- you're leaving. Yeah. You're leaving. Don't you have to pack? I haven't packed yet. I should do that. I was wrapping presents last night. Hmm. You don't have to wrap mine. It's unnecessary. I'm pretty bad at that. Wrapping or? Wrapping. I can't. Do, do you know anybody that's good? I don't know. I mean, wrapping's just. 
My mom and my girlfriend are both. My gift bags are the way to go. My, I, I, my I, gift bags are My are wife good. raps all day and night. She does a good job. I, I couldn't do it. Here's my problem. Like, I'll do, like, one corner, like, really well. I'm like, all right, <laughs> here we go. And then, <laughs> then it just get gets to the all next funky. And, and I'm like, ah, yeah. screw it. After a while, I just tape, take tape. tape I take going. tape. Tape it up. Right. My mom always told me if you're using more than, like, five pieces of tape, you're doing it wrong. I, uh, I was up to 15-plus pieces of tape per <laughs> present. <laughs> this is the first year I have never wrapped a gift. I have not wrapped one myself. Not one gift. Nope. And if I do, I'm grabbing a gift bag. And, like, every year she would, you know, kind of reteach me how to do it. And I'd be like, oh, like, this is pretty easy. Then it'd get to the next year, and I would. Yeah, like I'm yeah. good at getting that first part of that corner and the end yeah. right. And it looks good. You know, it's got that triangle look and you, you pull it over and you tape it like that looks good. And then the other side, it's all goofy and there's like the back end of the paper showing. One of these years, I'll get really good at gift wrapping. So are you taking a lot of gifts back to a jersey? Uh, I, yeah, I, I have a couple. I don't know if I'll wrap them. Maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll wrap them when I get back. Uh, you know, because then they're wrapped. I got to put them in a suitcase. I'll just wrap them when I get home. Mm. A couple, a couple I shipped already to home, you know, so I wouldn't have to deal with. That's the way I would have done it. Yeah. I would have shipped them all there. I mean, but I bought my mom something here. All right, so here's so. the other thing: Do you all, if you like, order something from Amazon to ship to somebody else as a gift? Do you get it wrapped? You know, Does I've done the Amazon gift wrapping before. Yeah, I think actually for. Nick Wiggins' baby shower. <laughs> I think I did the Amazon gift wrapping, and it came, and I was like, "Man, this is this is a ripoff." See, here's I my done thing a about job that. Than this. But here's my thing: it's already technically wrapped in a box. Yeah. So do you really need to wrap the wrapped, gift quote in unquote. a box? <laughs> right. Save yourself a few bucks. I don't think the person that gets it's gonna mind, right? Because they still gotta open it. Depends on the person. It's an easy question for me. The next gift I order will be the first. <laughs> But would you be upset if somebody sent you a gift no. in the mail no. or by UPS or whatever, no. and it came in a box but wasn't actually now, wrapped inside the Don't get me wrong. Box. Every day I go home, there's boxes there, but it's right. not something I ordered. And you're right. They are wrapped up. I don't see the need to rewrap them. No need to. No need to. I'm, come to me, folks, if you're looking for some ways to cut your costs this holiday season. That's our cue. You're a real trailblazer. Yeah. <laughs> Hot takes here on the opening kickoff. All right, that does it for Monday uh, for Mr. Brawner and uh, Lee Trevanian. I'm Mark Heim. That does it. Uh, Dan Patrick Show is next. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. Until then, see ya.